My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a Domino podcast with my friend, Dan White. And for five years, we have brought you the very best of the network, but it's time for a change. Now, we don't just confine ourselves to Vinnie Mac, bring you AEW, Impact, NJPW, and all the latest for the British wrestling scene. But we will still bring you all our old favourites, including NXT update, takeovers and live shows for the Big Four. This year we will decide who is the greatest British wrestler in the world, plus so much more. But until we watch everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always I'm joined by... Dan White. And today, it's time for the WNR podcast, our last podcast of the year, and what a show we have for you today. You got me a little present as well, just so we knew I about did, it. I did, yes, it was kind of like a, a memory for the end of the Elton John era, I did get you an Elton John pop vinyl. And because you like singing so much, I got you the guitar playing douche, because you are the singing douche of the podcast. Who wants to walk with Elias? I definitely do. That's the alternate intro now, the intro. It's our favourite time of year here at the WNR podcast, and for the past four years, the prediction challenge. It's two all in years, so this is the big kahuna, James. This is the decider. <laughs> Who is the king? And as you might know, the WNR have three prediction leagues, and we have been keeping score... Oh, yeah. And for NXT, we are tied 5 all. For pay-per-view, I won that 9-8. And for the bonus prediction league, you also won that 31-24. So what does this mean? Well, James has a lead of eight points, but it's not over yet. At the end of each year, we do year-end predictions for the following year, with points available for a correct answer, so I still have a chance. Well, before we open the envelopes, we are not just coming to the end of the year, but the end of the decade. And later, we will have our choices for wrestler, match, and more. Well, we start with a look back at WNR's 2019 Superstar of the Year. Yeah, and there's no doubt that the man was the Superstar of 2019. Before we get on to that, though, and talk about our Superstar of the Year, someone pointed out in an email, a very nice email, that last, uh, the last episode of WNR Awards, we actually didn't do Tag Team slash Stable of the Year, you know? Yeah, I think that's because we'd been on the Christmas sherry a bit that <laughs> night, and, you know, we was in the Christmas spirit and on the Christmas spirit. Without a doubt. So, uh, we'll just do that quickly, and I think, for me, we talk about stables slash tag teams. I think there's only one this year, really, that you can go with, and it's a, it's a, it's a, a team, you know, we speak about a wrestler who's involved in it, Kyle Riley, who is now the only man to have titles three times, alongside Bobby Fish. I think Undisputed Era, as a tag team, have delivered great matches throughout the year. And I think the Undisputed Era, as themselves, deserves that top accolade for me. Absolutely. So, are you going with the tag team of the Undisputed Era, or are you going with the stable of Undisputed Era? I will go for the tag team for the Undisputed Era this year. I'm going to go with the stable of the Undisputed Era then, because, you know, Adam Cole, he's been leading the charge on NXT. We was wondering kind of what would happen when certain people left and kind of Johnny Depp, who would kind of step up to the challenge. And, you know, for me, my superstar of the year as well. Yeah. Um, Roddy Strong has kind of 
you know, he's we wasn't sure what was going on with him, you know, whether there'd be cracks in the Undisputed Era, but he's kind of held his own being the um, North American champion and handsome Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish have kind of set the tag team division alight as well. Yeah, without a doubt, NXT wouldn't be the same without the Undisputed Era and we begrudgingly have to admit that now. So that's our tag team slash stable of the year. And let's talk about our picks for a kind of superstar of the year was, of course, Becky Lynch. And it all started back on January 1st, 2019 and the man answers the call. Well, it all started on day one for the man when John Cena showed up on an episode of SmackDown Live Philly expected someone to come down to the ring and step up to his face. What he didn't expect was for Becky Lynch to be the man to do it. Lynch cut a solid promo, which included a Booker T tell me she didn't just say that moment where she brought up Nikki Bella. Although, to be fair to John, he brought her up first. Well, Lynch would end up team with Cena to take on Andrade and Zelina Vega. Lynch would pick up the win after throwing a 16-time world champion out of the ring and locking Vega in a disarmor. Afterwards, in a symbolic passing of the torch gesture, Lynch would flash a, you can't see me right in Cena's face. Move got a begrudged seal of approval from the former world champ. Leader of the C-Nation knew the man was on her way to accomplishing big things in 2019. So we move forward to January 27th, 2019, and it is the road to WrestleMania, and it begins here. And Lynch comes up short in her attempt to win the SmackDown Women's Championship. Yeah, the Royal Rumble she did, but she ended up putting double duty at the event. She opened a night, taking on Oscars. She tried to win back her SmackDown Women's Championship. Lynch lost the title the previous month at TLC, properly in a TLC match. Lynch and Charlotte Flair were top of the ladder, battling over the belt when Ronda Rousey made her way to the ring and shoved the ladder over. Rousey's interference allowed Oscar to make the climb and grab the gold. Well, Lynch and Oscar put on one of the best matches, not only of the night, but of the year. A hard-hitting exhibition of submission manoeuvres that the Empress of Tomorrow eventually won when she locked in a modified version of the Oscar lock. Lynch had nowhere to go and had no choice but to tap out. Her dream of going to WrestleMania was over. Yeah, none of us believed that then, just like James didn't. Well, later on in the night, a moment happened that still gives me chills when I go back and watch it. Lana was announced as the 30th woman in the Royal Rumble match, but was unable to compete due to an ankle injury suffered earlier. Well, the man came around to seize an opportunity, pleading with Fit Finley to let her take Lana's place. The capacity track crowd at Chasefield came unglued when Lynch strolled down to the ring and stood toe-to-toe with the woman who cost the man her match with Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series. Well, the man overcame Nia Jack, Charlotte, and an ankle injury of her own to win the Royal Rumble and become the number one contender for the Women's Championship of her choosing. Didn't take long to find out which one. Lynch showed up down the challenge to Rousey. The man and the baddest woman on the planet were finally going to do battle. On April 7th, 2019, the man makes history. Becky Two Belts was born. For the first time in the 35-year history of WrestleMania, the women would close the show. Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch would meet in a winner-take-all triple threat match for both the Raw and SmackDown Women's Champions. The man would be the only one to enter the match without gold, but would she leave with it all when she, but she would leave with it all when she became the first woman in the company to defeat Ronda Rousey. A 3-6 pin and a free count by the referee, the man had done it. She came all the way back from a career-threatening injury to do what no woman had done before her, win the main event of WrestleMania. We can overanalyze the ending to the match all day long, but it doesn't change the magnitude of the moment. This was the moment all her dreams came true. Not only did Lynch become the first woman to win the main event of WrestleMania, but she became the first woman to hold both the Raw and Smackingships at the same April 8th, 2019, WWE Universe shows their appreciation. There's no off-season for the WWE. Less than four hours after all her dreams came true, Becky Lynch was back to work. She started with the media rounds before hitting Monday Night Raw. 
Becky Two Belt stood in front of a capacity truck crowd and could barely get a word out before the You Deserve It chance broke out. Well, the moment didn't last long. Lynch immediately launched into her next program with then recent NXT course. The sassy Southern Belle got in a sneaky woman's right punch and the fight was on. It was a huge moment for Evans who up to that point had been walking up and down a ramp on a weekly basis and not much else. Well, the two would have a series of matches over the next couple of months. Evans would fail to win gold but would cost Lynch some of hers. At Money in the Bank, Lynch would defeat Evans to retain the War Women's Championship, then immediately lose the blue belt to Charlotte, thanks to another sucker punch from the Marine vet. July 14th, 2019, ended her title run. The feud with Lacey Evans culminated at Extreme Rules when Becky Lynch's on-screen relationship blurred with her real life. The Lynch-Rollins on-camera romance wasn't enjoyed by everyone, but it did result in a highly entertaining Extreme Rules mixed. The power couples put their respective titles on the line against Evans and Corbin, with the winners. Well, this was a match where Lynch would prove her toughness. Early on in the bout, she would take a flying chair right off her forehead, which left a golf ball-sized well. Then, towards the end of the match, Corbin would grab Lynch from behind and plant her with an end of days. That made Rollins go crazy on Corbin, hitting him several stops before pinning him to retain the champion. July 12th, 2019. Just a couple of days before a big match at Extreme Rules, the man hit another milestone. She became the first WWE superstar to be on the cover of ESPN. The magazine joined by Netflix glow star Alison Brie. Well, Becky Lynch said, Last year I said I want to be the face of the business that I love so much. We don't always have to accept the status that has given us. It's been quite a year and it's an honour to be the first W superstar to be on the cover of ESPN magazine. The issue included a lengthy interview with both Lynch and Brie about the obstacles they face in their respective and the power. August 5th, 2019, another cover and another milestone for the man. Becky Lynch was announced as the first female cover star for the WWE 2K20 video game. Game standing alongside Roman Reigns. August 22nd, 2019, Becky Lynch was absolutely living her best life this year. What could possibly top accomplishing all your career goals? How about saying yes to the love of your life? Lynch and Rollins were engaged while on vacation over the summer. A day Lynch would call the happy. Will a future husband and wife let her go on to grace the cover of Muscle and Fitness together? September 2nd, 2019. Not many people can say they stunned the Texas Rattlesnake, but Becky Lynch had the honour to do so earlier this year. She joined Steve Austin on an episode of his USA show, Straight Up Steve Austin. After a day of ATV riding and hatchet throwing, the two shared a beer in the middle of the ring. The man just couldn't pass up the opportunity to give Austin his own signature move. October 4, 2019, one-on-one with a great one. The Rock doesn't make many appearances on W program anymore, with him being the biggest movie star in the world. But he made sure to come in for the SmackDown premiere on Fox. The Great One became the fourth W icon to work with a man this year. Well, there was instant chemistry between the two. They roasted King Corbin on the mic before laying into the, wait for it, SmackDown. Hey. Well, it was an immensely fun segment and accomplished two things. Firstly, it proved that no spotlight is too big for Lynch, as a man can hold her own on the mic, even when sharing the ring with one of the best trash talkers in company history. Secondly, Lynch collected her debt for the aforementioned end of days in July. October 6, 2019, Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks go through hell in a cell. <laughs> well, Lynch and Banks went through hell over the Raw Women's Championship. After taking several months off to recharge her batteries, Sasha Banks made a long-awaited return to the company in August. She returned to great fanfare before turning heel by attacking a grieving Natalia. This led to a program with the man and a championship match inside hell in a cell. Well, this was one of the more physical and innovative matches in both Lynch's and Banks' career. The chair spot in the corner of the cage was an absolute The chemistry between the two is outstanding. They put on a match of the night and a match of the year candidate. 
Many in the WWE Universe had this night pegged as one where Lynch would drop her Raw Women's Championship. But once again, the man would come out on top. October 11th, 2019, the first overall draft pick. Well, the WWE left zero doubt as to why they're considered a top star in the company. Superstars like Roman Reigns, Bray Wyatt, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, Kevin Owens, Braun Strowman and Sasha Banks were all available. But it was the man, Becky Lynch, who was selected number one to overall overall to Monday Night Raw in the WWE draft. November 3rd, 2019, a horrible day, building hype to Survivor Series. Much of the build-up to the main event of Survivor Series this year centered around Becky Lynch and then NXT Women's Champion Shania Basler. Started an episode of Raw where the Queen of Spades interrupted a sit-down interview with a man. The two shared an intense conversation that had the W Universe on the edge of its collective seat. Well, Bella would go on to win the Women's Championship showcase at Survivor Series by making Bailey tap out. After everything was all said and done, though, it was the man who stood tall. Lynch, never one to take a loss lightly, attacked Basler during her celebration and put her through the Spanish announce table. Well, the rivalry between these two is far from over. Becky Lynch likes to talk about collecting debts, while Basler has a debt of her own to collect, and now she's no longer NXT Women's Champion, she'll be free to come collect in 2020. Don't be surprised if Basler wins a Royal Rumble match and comes after the Royal Women's Champion. November 20th, 2019, the man returns to full sail. Well, full sail university was on fire, baby, in the night. Becky Lynch made a long-awaited return to NXT Four years after a call-up to the main roster, the man returned as Raw Women's Champion and was looking for a fight. She called out Shania Baszler but was instead greeted by the woman who recently defamed the Queen of Spades. Ray Ripley came straight for Lynch and the two ended up putting on a rock-solid match. That was until it ended in a no contest due to outside interference. Could be a highly entertaining feud down the line. Well, for me, though, the best part of the night was a promo. Lynch was able to return to the one place she was never able to win gold, touting her accomplishments like a proud alumnus. December 15th, 2019. Lynch steps up as a locker room leader. Lynch and Charlotte did everything they could to protect an injured Kari Sane. Well, during the last several weeks of 2019, Becky Lynch ended up sliding into the tag team division. Her desire to collect on her remaining debt forced her to luckily team up with the old rival Charlotte Flair to battle the Kabuki Warriors. The two teams met for the Women's Tag Team Championship in the main event of TLC in a tables, ladders and chairs match. This was the fourth pay-per-view of the year that the man would be in the main event. It had all the makings for an absolute classic. The story was there and the four companies' best performers were involved. Lynch and Flair specifically had a history of delivering big-time matches when the rules are thrown out. Unfortunately, Kari Sane suffered a concussion early on in the match. She seemed out on her feet but continued to battle through. It was here that Lynch showed her true brilliance in a wrestling ring. Well, as you saw at TLC, Lynch and Flair did everything they could to get Kari Sane to the finish line safely despite how it affected the quality of the match. Throughout various points, Lynch was seen talking to Sane before appearing to call an audible to end the match early. Then later on, more footage was released that showed the man taking extra steps to make sure that Sane was out of harm's way for the finish. The match itself failed to live up to the hype, but all four women did what they could to finish the show. In the process, Becky Lynch showed what a class person she is and why she's one of the most respected wrestlers in the world. Well, as 2019 draws to a close, it's hard to imagine anyone having a better year than Becky Lynch, both inside and outside of the wrestling ring. She is without doubt the 2019 W Superstar of the Year, and it doesn't appear she's slowing down anytime soon. Well, the man still has that last debt to collect on Oscar. It appears they'll battle it out for the Raw Women's Championship at the Raw Rumble. Shayna Baszler could be right around the corner as well, plus you never know when Ronda Rousey might return to seek her revenge. It appears there's plenty for Becky Lynch fans to be excited about as we get into a new year. So without doubt, 2019, when you look back at everything she did, was the year Becky Lynch. What's your favourite thing that Lynch done this year, when you think about it? Um, I just think it's just Becky Lynch being Becky Lynch in general. You know, her return to NXT was good. Her kind of 
getting the torch passed to her from John Cena as well, you know, kind of giving him, you can't see me and John Cena basically saying, well, yeah, you know, you you deserve that one. You know, going side by side with The Rock, she's hands with some huge former wrestling stars, which is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean, if we can hope for a like, kind of breakout star or a star that she's taking serious now, it will be Becky Lynch. And it's good to see that she can main event a pay-per-view, like I said, four main events this year. And after a while, you don't just say, Oh, it's women main event again. You just get used to it because Becky Lynch is the main event attraction. And let's see what happens in 2023. But it's been a great... All right, so we move on to news. News! And Edge has reportedly signed a new deal with WWE, but now he's squashing that story once again. Well, despite fans going insane, I have the idea of the rated R... No, sorry. <clears throat> the rated R superstar making a WWE return. That doesn't seem to be the case. We reported via some sources that they had heard Edge re-sign with WWE. The speculation was that Edge could work WrestleMania and possibly in a big show or two. Well, two. Edge previously said that he could work a match tomorrow, but on this day, it might not be the case. The WWE Hall of Famer shut down reports of his WWE return in the past as well. He sent out another tweet on Friday morning to seemingly address the story once again. He said, still not and still not, period. Well, Edge is keeping busy with acting and being a dad to his two daughters. His wife, Beth Phoenix, is now reporting to Full every Wednesday. Edge might have quit his podcast with Christian, but that doesn't mean he'll be wrestling again, according to him. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Would you want to see Edge back? I mean, the way his career ended, it seems like such a serious injury that you wouldn't want to risk it again. Um, Well, with, you know, especially Edge... He would have to be very well protected during a match. And I mean, you know, you'd be wincing at the sight of anything happening. We've seen what happens when old superstars kind of turn back to the fold. You know, Edge has been around the business for a couple of decades now. So, you know, it's like, as much as I'd like to see it, I'd rather see him come in and hit a spear on someone as opposed to having a full-blown match. Yeah, exactly what he did at SummerSlam, you know, when he did it like that. I mean, let's not forget, he retired in, what, 2011 now. So it's been nearly 10 years and if he was going to come back and have a match, I'd rather have him come back and have a match this year as opposed to 10 years' time. You know, because yeah. I don't want to see an old edge really hitting a spear on, I don't know, whoever would be a star in 10 years' time. You know, Mojo Rawley. <laughs> uh, who knows? Well, he has been on Raw. Yeah. yeah it was a good, I tell you, it's a good match with Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens shows what talent Kevin Owens has got by pulling a good match out of Mojo Rawley. Uh, we move on to injuries, though. Yes, the fashion police are officially on hiatus after an officer was injured in the line of duty again. Well, Fandango, who missed a year with a labrum tear before returning in July, is back on a show. Tommy John surgery to repair an elbow injury suffered in the December 11th match with the Singh brothers on NXT. Well, my dreams of pitching in the MLB are kind of over. Fandango posted on Instagram. Well, the time of the injury could not have come at a worse possible time. Brizango is more open to the NXT crowd than he ever were on Raw Smackdown. And Fandango put together some of the most dominant offence in recent memory in his wins over the Singhs. Well, there's no timetable for his return, but it's likely he'll miss several months. This could be a chance to give Tyler Breeze an extended singles run. I think, you know, you keep getting injuries like this. After a while, WWE aren't going to continue with him. It's been tough for Fandango. I mean, he was so over with a theme tune. uh, And then since then, he's just not kind of gained any momentum. And Johnny Curtis, the guy who's been in NXT, he's been in WWE for a very long time now. He's talking about a decade himself. Uh, You've got to wonder when he is going to catch a break. 
We move on to arrivals, and AEW have confirmed the signing of four new stars, many of whom you recognise from the past few weeks of AEW Dynamite. Both Big Swell and Chris Statlander have now been confirmed as signing after both appearing on either Dynamite or AEW Dark recently. Swell is the wife of WWE star Cedric Alexander and picked up a huge win over Emi Sakura on this week's episode of Dynamite. Statlander will be wrestling on the Indies for a few years and considered to be one of the biggest female talents everywhere. She was rumoured to have signed with WWE at one point, but this was, of course, untrue. Well, for the men's roster, both Alex Reynolds and John Silver have both signed deals with the company. We had seen Reynolds in action against John Moxley in, in the opening match of Dynamite, and later on in the Dark Order Hotel promo, Reynolds was accompanied to the ring by Silver. Well, Reynolds has previously wrestled for the likes of CZW and PWG, while Silver has spent most of his time on the New York Indies but has had one appearance for WWE in 2012 when he was a jobber against Ryback at No Way Out. Well, AEW's continued to add names to its roster, and the only real question is when they think they have enough. Right, a couple of things about AEW quickly. First off, did you see the Dark Order with the punches on Dustin Reynolds? Yes. God, I, I, knew, I had a feeling you might want to, What were your thoughts on that? Because that caused uh, a, a shitstorm on Twitter. That did cause an absolute shitstorm. And, you know, for someone who's uh, allegedly that's under the mask, ha- is a seasoned veteran, you know, for someone, despite the camera not being on or off him, you know, it it should still at least look like you're within five miles of punching. Awful. And Young Bucks quick, quick Twitter as well. They didn't say it was because of that reason, but there's a lot of kind of... AEW now over the honeymoon period, and there's been botches probably week. I remember Christopher Daniels doing a couple of botches uh, with the moon salt and stuff like this, and this what's going on now. Uh, and it's it's going to be difficult for AEW because they need to kind of keep momentum going. But the honeymoon period is definitely over for them, uh, and it'll be interesting to see kind of where they go from that. Also, the AEW rankings, which I don't think have worked that well, they are scrubbing them and starting afresh in 2020. As long as it means something, you know? It's like, will the end of next year, the person who's top get guaranteed a top shot on the next pay-per-view? As long as they do something like that, it would make sense. There's been rumours. Rumour has it. Rumour has it. That Taz is going to be on the, the next episode of AEW as we're recording this. And there's rumours that he might be the commissioner type on the show. Do AEW need a commissioner type? I'm not that sure at this moment in time. Well, what a way to take it from these standings and to having... Yeah, it's just... So it'll be an interesting time for AEW. Like I said, they want to be alternate, uh, and it will be interesting to see where they go from there. we move on to one of our magnificent seven, and that, of course, is Marty Skull. Well, fans got quite a show on tonight's NWA pay-per-view, Into the Fire, capped off with an epic match between Nick Aldis and James Storm that delivered on the hype. That said, NWA had one more surprise up their sleeves. Capping off the big show with an appearance from none other than Marty Skrull. Skrull shocked both the people in the arena and Aldis and Storm, and we can't wait to see what his next move is. Well, let's not forget, Skrull looked horns with Aldis previously at the NWA Crockett Cup, but the two had a fantastic match that left Skrull a little bloody, unfortunately ended up with him tapping to Aldis. At the time, the two were very complimentary of each other, but it seems at the time is at an end. But despite appearing for both Ring of Honor and NWA last week, Mike Skrull is currently a free agent, according to loads of sources. Well, Skrull is one of several Ring of Honor stars whose contracts were expiring, along with Jeff Cobb, Bandido, Brody King, Tracy Williams and Shane Taylor. While it's not clear what the status is for any of those talent, it appears as if Skrull will be working for both Ring of Honor and NWA for the near future. Well, his Ring of Honor contract expired in November. He owns the rights to the villain Enterprises and a group were victorious in the main event of the Ring of Honor final battle fallout tapings last week. It also appears that Skrull will be facing Nick Aldis in the main event of a pay-per-view in January. 
It was noted on sources that the squirrel is also booked for another date that's not for either NWA or Ring of Honor. However, that spot is being kept quiet. Well, a lot of people expected Skrull to sign with AEW as he's close for the top stars of promotion. He's been subtly referenced on a recent episode of Being the Elite. AEW EVP Cody Rhodes recently asked what Skrull possibly joined the company in an interview with TalkSport. Oh, right, sorry, yeah. Well, Marty's going to do what Marty's going to do, Cody said. We all love Marty and anything he does in the next few weeks or months. I wouldn't look at as permanent for him. He's very much testing the waters here and there, and that's pretty much all I can say on Marty. Well, we'll keep you uh, up to date with the, the latest update skill. And I think this is a good idea because too many times a wrestler signs with a company and then it's just that's it, one and done then. And I think with him, there's kind of something old school about it where we still don't know where he's going to go. You know, Will it be Ring of Honor? Will it be NWA? Will it be AEW? Could he possibly sign with WWE? He's building excitement for himself. And we'll talk about this in a guy who's obviously got his character right with the villain, villain enterprises. He knows what he wants to do. He's got a mindset. He just doesn't want to be a mid-card. You know, he doesn't want to be a, a Sean Spears in AEW. He wants to be a main eventer. And I think him doing this is just going to help himself out, you know? I think Marty Skrill has more chance of being a main eventer in NXT than he does in AEW. I would agree with you on that. But I think he has the possibility to be a main eventer wherever he goes if he chooses correctly. Yeah, you know? I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with that, but... You know, with you've got the likes of Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, you've got MJF, you've got Chris Jericho. You know, you've got a lot of talent already in AEW that are all vying for the top spot. Marty's going to have to kind of work his way up. What's he going to be, part of the elite? Is he going to be hanging on their coattails? They haven't got it all. So, you know, that is something that AEW, I think they need to look into very soon. Otherwise, you know, their, their mid-card talent is going to get fed up with that. Yeah, I think without a doubt. And it'll be interesting to see what Mighty Skull does uh, in the future as well. But, of course, it's the end of the decade, and we've had this coming up. But before that, one of our favourite things on the podcast was the CWC. It all started three years ago, and WWE has started plans for a new cruiserweight division. Well, after scouting the best cruiserweights in the entire world, WWE launched a cruiserweight classic tournament in the summer of 2016. Shortly afterwards, the new cruiserweight division manifested in the formation of the new one-hour show, 205 Live. Well, since that day, a lot of things have happened, and it's time to look at all the 32 competitors and their journey into the present day. Well, we look at the first round eliminations first, and we start up with Kenneth Johnson. Well, after losing to Akira Tazara in the first round, Johnson made an appearance at 205 Live in 2018. Appears on smaller American indie shows to this day. Fabian Eichner. Well, after his immediate elimination from the tournament, the Italian, trained by WWE legend and huge penis owner Alex Wright, began appearing regularly on NXT TV. Yeah, he impressed officials a lot and began forming a team with German wrestler Marcel Barthel. Jolette became part of the High Cecil Imperium stable and it's the UK alongside W Champ Kingdom United <laughs> Champion, East Milice, Volta and Alexander Wolfe. Damien Slater. Well, the Australian athletes still compete regularly on the country's indie scene. Slater lost to legendary Japanese wrestler Tajiri in his first round, but did not give up on his dreams. However, he's reduced his bookings in 2019. Alejandro Sayers. Highly promoted as the first cruiserweight wrestler from Chile, he impressed his first in his first outing against eventual finalist Glam Metallic. He later surfaced in pro wrestling Noah before seemingly ended his career due to a family emergency in 2017. Herve and Gerv Sierra, or the Bollywood Boys. Well, the Bollywood boys went out in the first round and they were never meant to be a singles act. All the way from India, WWE made it clear they wanted to keep the two real-life brothers on as a tag team. 
After a brief stint on 205 Live, the duo became the sidekicks of Jinder Mahal. <laughs> Remember him. Once the former WWE champion suffered an injury, the now renamed Singh brothers both captured the 24-7 championships and are back to competing on 205 Live rather successfully. Tyson Jukes. Well, the 23-year-old veteran and technical expert has not slowed down since battling Zack Sabre Jr. during the Classic. He regularly appears for Smash Wrestling in Canada and is the current NSPW Tag Team Champion alongside Tarek. He has also competed in the 11th edition of the WXW Ambition Tournament in 2019. Aria Davari. Well, Davari was signed to the 205 Live roster after the CWC, who's part of the first ever 205 Live angle with Jack and the infamous dual slap. Well, his biggest moment to date came during WWE's Greatest Royal Rumble where the Iranian interrupted a segment with a new Saudi Arabian singer alongside his brother Sean Davari to a chorus of boos. Well, Davari later claimed to have received death threats after the segment was done. He's also had several chances at the Cruiserweight Championship and has acted as a manager of Hideo Itami in the past. Well, currently, Davari De Niro is referred to as 205 Live's original alongside former foe Jack Raul Mendoza. Well, not much has changed for Raul Mendoza in the three years since the Cruiserweight Classic has ended. He's still signed with WWE and uses his enhancement talent on NXT TV. However, more recently, he also began appearing on 205. Anthony Bennett. Golden Bennett. Well, Tony Nese finished off Bennett in six minutes, and then he was never heard from again. Well, at least not in WWE. Well, Bennett is still a regular on small American indie shows, hoping for a break. Sean Maluda. Maluda is a semi-regular part of NXT TV, usually serves as an enhancement talent. He regularly competes for AFA's WXW promotion, and recently underwent a makeover at the hands of Eddie Kingston in Evolve. Clément Pétoncourdon. Clement Petois. Petoisdon. Well, Petois returned to Europe after competing in the Cruiserweight Classic. Well, he's regularly in the relatively small French indie scene. Yes, French has an indie scene. And also appeared for wrestling cult in Germany, Progress and POW from time to time. The man, who now calls himself Tristian Archer, also holds the PWA European All-Star title, as well as several other champions. Damak. The urban German returned back to Germany after his brief stint in the USA. He was part of the WXW's Rise faction before suffering a nasty back injury. This injury prevented him from returning to full form ever since. His most, not- his most recent notable appearance was during the 16 Karat Gold 2019, where he and Marcel Barfel reformed their beloved hot and spicy tag team for one night only. Oh, I'm going to struggle this next name as well. Tommaso Chiampa? Tommaso Champa? Champa. Not sure I've heard of him. Tomato Champa. Tomato Champa. Well, arguably one of the most successful participants in the entire tournament. Oh, wow. Well, after an emotional war against the then tag team partner, Johnny Gargano, this was later used to feel an epic heel turn and one of the greatest storylines in WWE history between Gargano and Champa. Champa is now a main eventer in NXT, although brutal injuries have kept him on the sidelines a lot. The Blackheart is a former NXT tag team and NXT... Mustafa Ali. Ali came in as a replacement for the Cruiserweight Classic and shocked everyone with an incredible performance against... Linstoadua! Well, W offered him a contract and he has moved to 205 Live where he became the heart of the brand. Although never winning the Cruiserweight Championship in his stint there, Ali and his rival Cedric Alexander became the standard bearers of great wrestling in WWE for a long time. Well, Mustafa Ali lost his first name, only to retain it back in late 2019. He's now part of SmackDown's mid-card, receiving a push every once in a while. Jason Lee. I don't think that one. After his loss to Rich Swan, Lee's career began picking up 
packet. He began picking up back home in China. This also helped him get in bookings. Well, in 2019, Lee wrestled more than ever, especially to compete for Dragon Gate in Japan. So that was your first round eliminations. We now move on to second round eliminations. And Jack... <laughs> Jack... <laughs> well, after defeating Fabian Eichner in the first round, Gallagher was stopped by Akira Tozawa in an 11-minute classic. Well, to this day, Gallagher is a regular on 205 Live and has also made appearances for NXT and NXT UK. British Matt Wrestling Master has yet to win a championship in WWE, but has always been kept relevant on 205 Live with several storylines. And now named one of 205 Live originals alongside Aria Davari. Most recently, he made ways by attacking 205 Live general manager Drake Maverick with a brutal headbutt. Tajiri. The legendary Japanese buzzsaw was the only former original cruiserweight champion to compete in the tournament. Well, he was eliminated in the second round by Grand Metallic, but ended up in 205 Live after Brian Kendrick decided to leave WWE again. To this day, he regularly competes in Japan. Drew Gulak. The former leader of Catchpoint was unable to beat Zack Sabre Jr. in the second round of the tournament. However, he was brought into the Cruiserweight division for 205 Live and Raw after team with Tony Nese fans and officials began realising the potential Gulak had. The technical master was able to adapt any storyline given, whether it be a goofy PowerPoint presentation, a henchman for Enzo Amore, or the vicious master manipulator who called himself The Law. Well, in 2019, his efforts were awarded for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship, a title we later lost to the Air Rush in order to be called up to SmackDown. On SmackDown, he has not been allowed to show off his unique skills yet. Yeah, last seen getting destroyed by Braun Strowman. My pick for the Cruiserweight Classic, Ho-Ho Lun. Well, young Ho-Ho came all the way from Hong Kong to compete in the WWE Cruiserweight Classic. But he impressed so much that WWE kept him on. While mostly being used as enhancement talent, he was described by his peers and trainers as one of the nicest and most helpful people around. And don't you just love his mother? great, isn't it? That's why I picked him. Well, in August 2017, he asked for his release in order to take care of his mother back home in China. What a guy. I love him even more for that. <laughs> Ho-Ho Lam returned full-time wrestling in late 2019, mainly for Dragon Gate in Japan. Tony Nice. After the tournament, Nice began counting his eight abs on 205 Live while making his entrance. A gimmick so awesome, W booked a storyline to get rid of it twice, but neither 205 Live general manager Drake Maverick nor Enzo Moore were able to take Nice off doing it. He began building up steam when he decided to team with Cruiserweight champion Buddy Murphy in late 2018. This led to Nice winning a tournament to crown the number one contender to the title, and a match at WrestleMania. After Murphy turned on him, Nice managed somehow to fluke a victory for the Cruiserweight title at WrestleMania 35. He did not connect with the audience as champion and lost the title two months later. Turned back heel, counting his abs again. Cedric Alexander. Well, Cedric Alexander will always be remembered as the soul of 205 Live. After the Enzo Amore experiment failed more than anything I've ever seen in my life, WWE looked towards Cedric Alexander as the top guy of the purple brand. Alexander was signed to WWE after one of the best WWE matches ever when he lost to Kota Ibushi in a super emotional battle and the fans kept chanting, please sign Cedric. With the fans, Alex- Alexander created magic with Mustafa Ali at WrestleMania 34 and won the Cruiserweight title after yet another fantastic... When Buddy Murphy stopped his reign in October 2018, he seemingly never left the title picture until WWE decided to bring him up to Raw in May 2019 where he's still looking for his break. Johnny Gargano. Well, Gargano was part of the hashtag DIY before the CWC, and he remained one after it, at least for a while. Him and Chompa won the NXT Tag Team Championships, managed to win the North American champion, uh, North American title, 
and NXT title on his own. Well, this may Gagano triple crown champion NXT, but also the most accomplished man coming out of the Cruiserweight Classic. Gagano is currently among the best wrestlers in the world, unable to have a bad match or storyline, and the Cruiserweight Classic was part of this epic journey. Vince Dorado! Well, a former member of the celebrated Chicago stable, Bruchette de Clusters, was also signed by WWE after the... On 205 Live, he was usually positioned as an enhancement talent before, before, before forming the Lucha House Party with Kalisto and Grand Metallic in late 2018. Well, his first championship storyline came when Davari tried to cause dissension between him and his teammates. This game, Dorado shot the Cruiserweight title at Clash of the Champions 2019. After the trio got drafted to SmackDown, the storyline was quietly dropped. Quarterfinal eliminations, Akira Tazara. Ah, ah, ah. When Ali and Alexander are the heart and soul of 205 Live, Tazara is the backbone of the entire division. Well, Tazara only held the Cruiserweight title for a week in 2017 while being part of the titles worldwide. That squared off with all of them. No one has received as many championship chances as Akira Tazara. He also made the most appearances on 205 Live by a mile. Well, his most recent title match came on November 27th, 2019 episode of NXT against Leo Rush. While now being on Raw, Tazawa keeps getting booked and he has got him. My pick, Noam Dar. Well, Dar was unable to take down Zack Sabre Jr. during the Cruiserweight Classic. Well, a man who is certainly not a dafty made waves by forming an alliance with Alicia Fox on 205 Live. After a knee injury put him out of action for a long time, Dar returned to 205 Live as a babyface, but was turned back heel rather quick again. Well, today Dar competes on both 205 Live and NXT UK. The Scottish ship in Nova has recently feuded with Trent Seven on the NXT UK show. The Brian Kendrick. Well, former record WWE Tag Team Champion Brian Kendrick was brought in by WWE for the tournament as a redemption storyline. This was Kendrick's final shot. When he lost to Kota Ibushi in the quarterfinals, the emotional hug between him and his friend Daniel Bryan got everyone tearing up. Bringing in Kendrick for 205 Live seemingly was a no-brainer. However, W used him as a heel right here, there and then. He won the Cruiserweight Championship in late 2016. The Brian Kendrick is a character on the show. Well, one of Kendrick's first views in 205 Live was against Akira Tazawa, where he tried to teach Tazawa his knowledge about Cruiserweight wrestling. Tazawa refused to listen and won the feud. Kendrick then tried the method on various different characters before eventually finding Jack completely turning the man around. The duo later allowed Drew Gulak into their mix. Gulak, who slowly took over leadership from Kendrick, made Gallagher use the methods of he learned to make Kendrick think they were still on the same. Gulak and Gallagher turned on Kendrick, explaining he was the weak link. When Kendrick was down and out, it was Tozawa who appeared over a year after their first encounter, to help him. The odd pair remained a team for another year, working tremendously together. Eventually, Kendrick is still lead Brian Kendrick at heart and turned on his friend in September. After 205 Live suffering the effects of two drafts in 2019 and the show also joining NXT and NXT UK umbrella with a WWE Cruiserweight title becoming the NXT Cruiserweight title, Kendrick announced an indefinite leave of absence on Twitter. Rich Swan. The outlandish Rich Swan caught on a fanta- caught on fantastic with the WWE fan base down in the Full Sail Arena. Well, this got Swan to be part of the 205 Live after the tournament on a premiere episode of 205 Live. Swan won the Cruiserweight Championship off the Brian Kendrick. After being attacked by the returning Neville, Swan entered a feud with him over the strap. In February 2018, he and W Mucci agreed upon a release due to a domestic violence report surfacing. However, these issues were addressed, and Swan is now back on track. First, he signed with Impact Wrestling, and then he wrote a song about res- about WrestleTalk at MediaCon. On- in 2019, 
Swan still competes for Impact Wrestling, being a former X-Division champion. Semi-final eliminations. My man, Zack Sabre Jr. So my third pick in the Crew Drive I've not heard any of your picks yet, Dan. Let's see if we get on to that. Well, mine weren't eliminated that early on. <coughs> when ZSJ was announced for WWE's Cruiserweight Classic, it did send shockwaves through the business. It seemed like a done deal that like he would reach the finals and sign with WWE, but that did not happen. After beating Tyson Dukes, Drew Gulak and Noam Dar in technical classics, he fell short of the hands of Grand Metallic. Sabre decided not to sign with WWE and stay away from Titan Tower, which forced the promotion to eliminate Sabre in the semi-finals. So if he signed a contract, he would have won the tournament. Well, today he's one of the stars outside WWE, mainly working for NJPW and Rev Pro. Yeah, and he's currently is the Rev Pro Undisputed British Heavyweight Champion. Kota... Ibushi. That was one of your that picks. That was one of my yes. picks. All the way up to the semi-final. Well, Kota Ibushi wrestled his heart out against Sean Maluta, Cedric Alexander and the Brian Kendrick during the tournament. Well, much like Zack Sabre Jr., it was thought to be a huge deal and a safe bet for the finals, but Ibushi also refused to sign a contract and fell at the hands of TJ Perkins. Ibushi is one of the biggest stars in wrestling right now. He has never he has won the never open weight title and the IWGP Intercontinental title since returning from the CWC. Well a Golden Star also won a G1 Climax in twenty nineteen. Ibushi will be challenging Akada for the IWGP heavyweight championship at Wrestle Kingdom in January. And now we go on to the finalists. Gran Metallic, who came in second place. Was that one of my picks, James? That was your pick, Stan. That was yes. one of my picks, yes. Well, Metallic is said to be the one of the best loot shows to ever work with WWE. Your words, not mine, James. <laughs> after, the t- after the tournament, he was assigned to 205 Live. In the three years he spent on the brand, he was unable to win the Cruiserweight Championship. Well, as part of Lucha House Party, he now competes on SmackDown, but has not played a relevant role since his match in the CWC final against TJ Perkins. Metallic has teased interest of his contract runs out on social media. And then your winner of the CWC, TJP. And Dan, I, I hate that, but yes, your pick. So T- was that my pick? Both my picks was in the finals. Yes. And enough one of mine got to the semi-finals. Yes. So that means your pick got to the semi-final. That means must, my, one of my picks must have beaten your pick. Yeah, I, w- yeah. I would say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, just making sure. Grand Metallic. Well, TJP won the WWE Cruiserweight Classic and was also awarded the new Cruiserweight Championship for it. Well, Perkins, who competed in TNA's Manic and Suicide prior to this, was always believed to be an emergency solution since both Zack Sabre Jr. and Kota Ibushi had chosen not to sign with WWE. But he still won it, though, didn't he? He still won it, but yeah, well, that's, I'm just that's all that matters. After coming to 205 Live, he was unable to connect with the crowd and WWE put the title on the Brian Kendrick after just over a month. Well, Perkins was then renamed TJP and had various pointless matches on 205 Live before the company decided to turn him heel again. He was also unable to connect as a heel, even when put into a story with Neville, who was very over at the time. In February 2019, W ended the experiment of TJP and released him from his contract. After a short stint with MLW, he returned to Impact Wrestling and also stated to appear on the NGJPW shows in autumn 2019. So looking back on the CWC then, Dan, we had, you know, 32 guys, and even your picks in the final, when you look about what they've done since then, has not been as good as maybe the guys, you know, quarterfinal-wise. But they weren't my picks to go on and do something good, James. They was my picks to go on and win the tournament. To have three out of the four people in the semi-finals and two of them going on to the final, I mean, that is just outstanding. Well, I I, I agree with you, but it's it's weird to see, you know, like I said, TJP the winner 
is, is, is I think that the kind of shining lights, if you look at Gagano and Chumper and what they've accomplished since then, obviously, Ali. you know, Ali and Alexander, Alexander as, well, as well are kind yeah. of the guys. Jack Gallagher, he's one that we kind of watched really closely. He's kind of fizzled out a bit now since then. And you look at people's success outside, of course, Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. are kind of guys who are really... Uh, bringing it in NJPW as well. And that'll be interesting to see what happens. But that is the CWC. So that was the CWC and we move on. And of course, it's the end of the decade. And here at the WNR, we are asking ourselves six simple questions. Wrestler. Promotion. Pay-per-view. Match. Moment. And feud. So we start off and there have been so many moments Let's have a look at the best before both of our number ones. And the first moment we're going to look back on is The Rock returning. When The Rock left WWE for Hollywood and distanced himself from his pro wrestling career, many fans assumed that we'd never see him in another match. We sure got that one wrong. Well, a great one made sporadic appearances on WWE television for movies and such, but he returned for his first major role, major role. as the host of WrestleMania 27. At the end of the night, he ended up helping The Miz retain the WWE title over John Cena to kick off a year-long feud that led to their showdown at WrestleMania 28. Well, The Rock was one of the biggest stars to come from the world of professional wrestling and to see him return to the place that made him famous was a treat for fans of all ages as well. As one of the best promo men in the history of WWE, he and Cena engaged in a war of words for months before they finally met in the ring. The Brahma Ball has had a handful of matches since then, but nothing will compare to that feud we've seen in terms of star power and hype. W let the program build for an entire year. That is not something you can just do with anyone. Our next one is Rock Returns. Well, when Brock Lesnar left WWE in 2004, having, after what you might have thought being the best two-year run for a rookie in the rest of the history, it looked like he had moved on for good. He went out and made a name for himself in UFC and became one of the biggest draws in the sports history. And he even survived a near-fatal bout with diverticulitis and returned to defeat Shane Carwin to become the undisputed UFC heavyweight champion. When his music hit on the April 2nd 2012 edition of Raw, the day after WrestleMania 28, the WWE Universe exploded with cheers for the Beast Incarnate. Ever since that night, Lesnar has been carving a path of destruction. He has defeated almost every big star in the company for over seven years while losing only a handful of matches. Well, it's hard to think of anyone who's been booked to be more dominant than the Beast in WWE history. The year 2012 was the beginning of the era of Suplex City. We're all just living in Lesnar's world until he decides to hang up his boots for good. Our next one is the Shield debuts. Well, stables have been an important part of wrestling for decades, with teams such as the Four Horsemen, DX, NWO, The Nation of Domination, and Evolution standing out as some of the most prominent. When we look back at the 2010s, the Shield would be viewed as the most dominant group of the decade. The New Day is a close second. And 3MB in number three. Well, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose all found success with the group and went on to become Triple Crown and Grand Slam champions in a company of their own. Most stables have one or two standouts, but it's rare that every member of the team goes on to win at least one world title. Well, the Shield's first appearance on the main roster during the main event on November 18th, 2012. They attacked Fireback and Cena, allowing CM Punk to get the win. Those first two years before Rollins betrayed the group was a textbook case of how to book a stable so every member looked strong. There were no weak links and no clear leader. Each man brought something different to the group to create a cohesive unit. That night at Survivor Series gave them the momentum they needed to become one of the most iconic groups in WWE. Well, WWE opens the Performance Center. Well, pro wrestling schools have existed for decades, but once the WWE opened the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida... Every other school looked in. Well, this is not to say there aren't tons of great places to get wrestling education. Plenty of wrestling schools are run by veterans who impart great knowledge to their students. 
Well, nobody else has the resources of the WWE, though a few could dream of being able to afford the kind of facility where the men and women of the development train their craft. Well, the PC gives WWE the ability to control superstars' training from the ground up to offer them skills to succeed when they eventually appear on television. The training centre opened July 11th, 2013, with a second facility in Enfield, England opening earlier this year. On The goal is for WWE to continue opening performance in the world. Giving young wrestlers access to this kind of equipment and resources usually seems with pro sports teams have helped in many ways. After a main roster star being out with an injury, the PC is where to go to shake off the ring rust and rehab the body. It's an expensive thing to operate, but it already proved a worthy investment, especially for those who have benefited. The launch of the... It seems like only yesterday we were paying upwards of $50 for every WWE pay-per-view without any additional content beyond those few hours. Well, the WWE Network changed all that and we're now spoiled by getting to pay $9.99 a month for pay-per-views and several hours of original programming every month in addition to thousands of hours of previous shows from WWE, WCW, ECW and several other promotions from the past. WWE is now in the same category as Netflix and Disney+. Plus. It is a monthly streaming service most fans won't think twice about when they are billed every month because the price... On February 24, 2014, W Network launched in the US and gave fans access to more content than they could possibly watch, and the future of the business was forever changed. The first event broadcast live on the network was NXT Arrival, but the first major pay-per-view after the launch was WrestleMania 30. Both shows received critical acclaim and helped the new service cement itself as a place to go for WWE content. WrestleMania 30. Well, WWE treats WrestleMania like it will be the most important, but you'll be hard-pressed to find an even more significant from the last decade than WrestleMania 13. Well, the card features such moments as Cena defeating Bray Wyatt, Cesaro winning the first Andre Giant Royal Battle Royal, and the apex of the Yes Movement with Daniel Bryan winning the WWE Championship by defeating Triple H before beating Randy Orton at the main event. The night also featured one of the only times we have seen Hulk Hogan, The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin share a ring and a few Steve Weisers to kick off the show. I mean, even the more forgettable moments like the Shield going over Kane and the Edge Outlaws can be watched again and enjoyed years later. WrestleMania 30 has a lot of memorable moments, but they all pale in comparison to what we'll be talking about. The Undertaker streak comes to an end. While WrestleMania 30 has several standout moments, nothing comes close to Brock Lesnar Taker to end his 21-win undefeated pay-per-view. Well, this was something many of us assumed would never happen. We thought the dead man would retire with his record intact. The Beast Incarnate had other plans. After three F5s, Undertaker could not answer the free count and the Beast was declared victorious. The crowd and the millions of fans watching around the world were in complete shock. Well, the entire, the entire stadium was sapped with its energy in that one split second. Many stood in silence while others booed the decision to give part-time Matt like Lesnar such a prestigious honour. We still talk about it over five years later, and that is how significant this moment was in both men's careers. There is a good chance we'll never see another streak like this in the future because few have the longevity and the star power of the... It was a controversial decision, to say the least, but it probably didn't divide people as much as Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Evolution pay-per-view. On February 23rd, 2015, the Bella Twins faced Paige and Emma in a match of Raw that lasted less than a minute. Social media movement with a hashtag, Give Divas a Chance. For years, WWE have been treating its women's division like a sideshow, and fans were sick of seeing talented performers not being given the same opportunities. Well, thankfully, WWE took notice and implemented changes that led to the women's revolution. Less than four years after the inciting match of Raw, the division was given its own pay for you on October 28th, 2018, with a fitting title, Evolution. The card featured moments like Tony Storm winning the May Young Classic, Lita and Trish Stratus returning to defeat Mickie James and Alicia Fox, Becky Lynch retaining her SmackDown Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair, 
and Ronda Rousey making Nikki Bella tap to... It was a night that many would have thought impossible just a few years earlier. It was a combination of a lot of hard work by a lot of dedicated people. WWE did not hold a second event this year, but part of the reason was women are no longer viewed as separate from... Many shows have been main evented by members of the division, and we are seeing talents coming from NXT and NXT to ensure the trend of great women... Kofi Kingston wins the WWE Championship. When WWE sets its mind on something, it can rarely be... However, the company occasionally sees a grassroots movement growing and decides to adjust its plans accordingly. Well, this happened with the Yes movement and the Women's Revolution. The most recent example happened earlier this year when Kofi Kingston became the WWE Champion at WrestleMania 35. For over 10 years, he has been a mainstay in WWE. He has had numerous standout moments at the Royal Rumble and won just about every title the company has to offer, except the big one. Well, when he replaced Mustafa Ali in a gauntlet match on the February 12th edition of SmackDown, he ended up lasting, lasting roughly an hour against some of the best the Blue Bland had to offer. The fans took notice and threw the support behind the veteran of the New Day. Kingston defeated Bryan for the title at WrestleMania 35 to begin a six-month reign. It was an important moment, both culturally and professionally, for a man who had given his body to... Well, it was a feel-good moment of the year for a superstar who deserved the honour as much as anyone in the company. So, number one on our list, Dan, what is your moment of the decade? Mine is CM Punk's pipe bomb. Do you know, say, great minds think alike, because mine also is the CM Punk pipe bomb. Well, when it comes to WWE, being able to have a good match is not only the thing that makes someone a star. They also have to be able to carry a promo. Most successful superstars usually end up being the best talkers who can also wrestle. If we look back at the thousands of promos delivered during the past decade, nothing stands out as much as CM Punk's famous pipe bomb promo. It all happened on June 27th, 2011 episode of Raw. Punk had just finished attacking John Cena when he sat down on the stage and proceeded to deliver one of the greatest work shoots in the history. Everything he said resonated with fans and it showed WWE was willing to give him a platform like never before. The company trusted him with a hot mic for one of the most memorable segments. The entire speech dictated Punk's character for the remainder of his time with the promotion and it will stand out for years as one of the best... Yeah, I mean, I actually remember seeing that on Raw and I actually couldn't believe what we were seeing at the time. It was kind of so shocking there. He was breaking the full fall, saying hi, you know, hi to Colt Cabana, saying he might go to Ring of Honor and everything like this. And, you know, having his mic cut off when he was just about to have a go at Vincent Mann, who's just kind of perfectly played. And I think that's why it's got kind of number one moment of the decade. We just wait for another superstar to kind of have a breakout moment like that as well. Uh, we move on to pay-per-view, and my pay-per-view is uh, Money in the Bank 2011. It took place on July 17, 2011 at the Allstate Arena in the Chicago suburb of Rosemont, Illinois. And we'll run through the card because I think it's a really, really good card. Well, we had a SmackDown Money in the Bank ladder match for a World Heavyweight Championship contract. Yeah, Daniel Bryan defeated Cody Rose, Heath Slater, Justin Gabe, Kane, Sin Cara, Sheamus, and Wade Barrett. We had a singles match for the WWE Divas Championship. Kevin Kelly, Ke Kevin, not Kevin Kelly, Kelly Kelly, the champion, defeated Brie Bella with Nikki Bella. Uh, Mark Henry defeated the Big Show. The Raw Money in the Bank ladder match for the WWE Championship contract. Uh, Alberto Del Rio defeated Alex Riley, Evan Bourne, Jack Swagger, Kofi Kingston, The Miz, R-Truth and Rey Mysterio. We had a singles match for the World Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> yeah. Christian defeated Orton by disqualification. Yeah, if Orton was disqualified, if there was poor officiating, Orton would lose the title. So he's basically stacked against him. <laughs> and the main event was the WWE Championship. Yeah, it was CM Punk defeating John Cena. If Cena did not retain the title... He would be fired. But speaking of that match, my match of the decade is CM Punk versus John Cena. Before we move on to that, 
Dan, what is your pay-per-view? My pay-per-view is Money in the Bank 2011. What is your pay-per-view? My pay-per-view is NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. Ooh. And uh, in the early or the pre-show matches, you had Bianca Belair defeating Dakota Kai in a singles match. And you had the War Raiders Viking Experience, Hanson and Rowe, before they changed their name, defeating the Mighty, that's uh, Nick, Mill, uh, Nick Miller and Shane Fawn. And then you had the era, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. That's before uh, Bobby Fish came back with injury with Adam Cole, defeating Danny Burch and Only Larkin to retain the NXT Tag Team Championships. You had your man Ricochet as well in action, defeating the Velveteen Dream. I remember that quite well. You had Shayna Baszler defeating Nikki Cross by technical submission to retain the NXT Women's Championship. And you had your man again, Ali B, defeating Lars Sullivan in a singles match for the NXT Championship. I had Tommaso Ciampa defeating Johnny Gagano in a Chicago street fight that lasted 35 minutes. Yeah, so it's weird that both our picks were held in Chicago, and I think that just shows you how great it is. Uh, so we'll move on to match, and my match is CM Punk versus John Cena. I mean, everything fell in place for WWE to tell such a story that continues to echo in the minds of fans around the world. It was a culmination of more than two years in the career of CM Punk. The night of July 17th, 2011, as CM Punk is John Cena for the W Championship and the Money in the Bank pay-per-view in Chicago, Illinois. John Cena and CM Punk told a near-perfect story in the lead-up to and then the execution at Money in the Bank outside of Chicago. Well, Punk still hadn't officially re-signed with WWE as he entered All-State Arena for Money in the Bank. He had agreed to a two-day extension just to make it to the pay-per-view, but WWE officials were trying to get him to commit to a long-term contract before deciding on a finish for the main. After two years of being on the fence, Punk finally signed the dotted line hours into the pay-per-view. Well, when the show started, I was still out the door, Punk said. Vince said, you have me over a barrel here. I wasn't in this for silly demands. It wasn't even about the money. It was simply 100% about the respect and being placed on the card where I deserve to be. Even though Punk was officially back under contract, it happened behind closed doors at the very last moment, which meant the 14,815 fans packed into the All-State Arena were left to continue speculating. One of those fans seated in Section 1, Row 1, Seat 7, with Chicago native and WWE superfan Frank the Clown. Well, no one knew what the outcome of the match was going to be, said Mastari, who was bought the ticket from Scalper right before the show. Punk's contract was legitimately expiring. It was one of the few times I can remember that going to the show, no one had a clue what the outcome was going to be. There was a, definitely a buzz. Well, the electricity pulsating throughout the arena was palpable from the second the Punk's kick ended. The Chicago hopefuls shouted CM Punk, CM Punk, CM Punk for over 20 seconds as they waited for their hometown hero to make his way down the entrance ramp. The shredding guitar and enraging vocals of Killswitch Engage led to an even louder roar. Well, when the music hit, I'm not ashamed to say I definitely felt emotional because I knew the magnitude of this moment, said Mastari, who has attended around 200 W events, including 12 consecutive WrestleManias, but calls Money in the Bank 2011 the best night of his life. It was just pure emotion. I've never seen anything like it. This was a raw hometown emotion. It's so cool because it's 15,000 people in Houston supporting the one kid from Chicago who made us proud all these years. Well, Punk has always had a special connection with his hometown crowd, but on the night... But on this night, the reception he received at the All-State Arena was reminiscent of Michael Jordan at the United States. Punk's humble beginnings across the Midwest independence, his straight-edge lifestyle, and the very real emotions driving the storyline made him more than a wrestler to the city of Chicago. 
He was one of their own who had made it big. Well, I've never seen this much hometown emotion, said commentator Jerry Lawyer, who was arguably more popular in his hometown Memphis than any wrestler ever. Well, once his music stopped, Punk sat cross-legged inside the ring as he waited for Cena. Cena, who had drawn split reactions from the crowds ever since taken off as the face of WWE, seemingly knew the drill by now. About half the crowd would chant, let's go Cena, while the other sucks. But this wasn't going to be the case on this night. No, Cena was undeniably the bad guy in this match. The one who represented everything Punk said in his infamous pipe bomb promo. Punk wasn't on any collector's cups or starring in WWE films. He wasn't being promoted as the face of the company or main event at WrestleMania like Cena was. Punk represented something entirely different to fans. Someone who didn't feel like he was manufactured fresh off the WWE assembly line had more in common with the people sitting in the crowd than he did with those in the locker room. Punk was destined to succeed no matter how the match played out. Because of the fans who had completely bought into the well-crafted story arc, so completely and the once-in-a-lifetime atmosphere in Chicago that night. But then, on top of it all, Cena and Punk put on an all-time classic. Yeah, they were the puppet masters in the ring, playing with the emotions of the crowd with every stiff strike, grappling exchange and near fall. Neither former pulled off anything too crazy, especially by today's standards, but they didn't have to. Punk and Cena let the gravity of the storyline add a layer of drama to every move. Well, this was more than just a great match, but a career-making moment, some twat said in his interview in the wrestling. Giving the match a five-star out of five rating, the first WWE bout so recognised and still the last main roster WWE match that was so recognised. Yeah, this was one of those matches that people remember for the rest of their lives, Booker T said on commentary during the heat of the contest. Forever, Michael Cole added. It all ended perfectly, with a man still playing up the thoughtless CM Punk all that night, win or lose. He ran down to the ring while Cena had his patented STF locked in to try and call for a premature decision. Cena refused to win that way. Stopped it from happening and rolled back into the ring just in time for CM Punk to get Cena up for the go to sleep, allowing Punk to pick up the pinfall victory. Well, the crowd exploded in a state of euphoria and disbelief as Punk held the title aloft and then dodged the money in the bank briefcase, cashing from Alberto de Rio. Punk jumped off a barricade, blew a kiss to McMahon, and ran to the sea of Chicago Wins to celebrate his first WWE Championship win. Well, few things in Punk's WWE career worked out exactly as he hoped, but this was as close to a perfect moment as it ever got. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, for me, that week, a couple of weeks in 2011, where you had the, the CM Punk pipe bomb leaning into money back, like I said, we, we do predictions for every show, but at that time, you just didn't know which way it was going to go, did yeah. you, you know? And I see you wearing your CM Punk top as well, and... And this is how Punk has had such a huge impact on the decade of wrestling, even though he only wrestled up until kind of 2014. Uh, so that was my match. Um, another match I just want to say that I loved as well was Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate from NXT TakeOver Chicago. Those two men put on an absolute clinic. But I think when you talk about WWE matches, I think that stood out on top. What is your, I, know, I know it's a difficult decision, Dan. What is your match do you reckon your match of the decade my match of the decade was gagano versus chomper and which one i hear you ask yeah, which one well it was takeover new orleans and it was their unsanctioned well that is your choice but we will be going on to that right now as well because you we talk about feuds of the decades and i think there can only be one we talk about punk and cena Talk about John, you know, Randy Orton and John Cena. We talk about AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose, whoever else you know they feuded with. I think there is only one, and uh, I think the feud of year, Dan, a uh, feud of the decade, even has to go to two men, doesn't it? It does indeed, Jess, and that is Johnny Gagano versus Tommaso Ciampa. So what we're going to do now is just look at the timeline, basically, 
for the feud between Chump and Gargano. Like I said, because they had so many great matches uh, that we couldn't really pick out, you know, just the one. So we're just going to run through. Well, sometimes the person you'd take a bullet for is behind the trigger. Wow. I mean, and this quote really encapsulates the feud between Johnny Gagano and Tommaso Ciampa. A journey of friendship, betrayal and ghosts that continued that continue to linger in the background. Right, so we're going to highlight the pivotal moments throughout the feud and provide a detailed timeline of events. So here we go. We start off, and we talked about earlier, actually, the CWC. Well, if we're going to start discussing this feud, we need to look back to late June of 2016. It was the first round of the Cruiserweight Classic. We're heading into the match. The story was centred around tag team partners forced to tear each other apart in an effort to advance. Baro Ronaldo even echoed that statement. Well, the match lasted just over 10 minutes, with the real compelling aspect being Chumper's unwillingness to pull the trigger as he contemplated landing the running knee from the corner. But ultimately, the psycho killer had a moment of compassion that cost him the match. Yeah, in the end, Gagano rolled up Chumper to advance to round two. Two. To be honest, it was more of a survival than it was a win. I adamantly believe that this was a moment Chomper obsessively replayed in this memory in an effort to never relent again. Well, the duo continues to team and unsuccessfully challenge the revival for the Tag Team Championships and also failed to advance in the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic against the Authors of Pain. Well, that takes us to NXT TakeOver Toronto on November the 19th, 2016. And it was a two out of three falls match against the Revival. Well, since I learned to walk, I've been watching professional wrestling, and this was arguably the greatest tag team match I've ever witnessed. Furthermore, I was fortunate fortunate enough to witness it on television. The atmosphere seemed like it was electric. Well, the Revival won first fall after hitting Gagano with a shatter machine. DIY came back to win the second fall after performing a meet me in the middle on Dawson. And for the third fall, both Dash and Dawson simultaneously tapped out, thus making DIY the new tag team champions they reached the pinnacle of success as a tag team in a match of the year performance that takes us nicely to nxt takeover san antonio yeah we jump ahead to january 28th 2017 diy was forced to defend their championships against the dominant authors of pain as anticipated diy took an absolute beating which led the karma razor to become the new nxt tag team champions after landing the last chapter well, DIY's title reign was much shorter than originally anticipated. We now move on to NXT TakeOver Chicago. Well, after a failed attempt at regaining the NXT Tag Team Championships at TakeOver Toronto Orlando, DIY finally earned a one-on-one rematch against the Authors of Pain in an effort to regain their championships at TakeOver Chicago on May 20th, 2017. Well, since this stipulation was a ladder match, you would think that much more agile DIY possessed the advantage, but despite a valiant effort, they fell short. As they continue to, as they walked up the ramp together during the conclusion of the show, I can only imagine that Chomper was continuing to replay that moment in memory from the Cruiserweight Classic. These losses were Johnny's fault, and Tommaso Chomper wanted to recapture his moment. But Chomper then grabbed Gagano by the back of his head and later proclaimed, "This is my moment." He proceeded to throw Johnny Gagano into the LED board and then landed multiple running knees. Yes, the same manoeuvre that he failed to pull the trigger on during the Cruiserweight Classic to seemingly seal the victory. One of the greatest lasting images that's still ingrained in my memory is when Chumper was sitting near the announce table with Gagano's attempt to reach up to him as to ask why. Chumper then proceeded to hoist Gagano up and land the air race siren through the table. Chumper stared down as Gagano, who was being treated to by referees and medical personnel. Well, a psycho killer had returned and was indeed his moment and Johnny Gagano had won the very first Johnny Gagano award for most punishment taken in a match. Well, we move on to, unfortunately, Tommaso's injury. Yeah, sadly, Chumper's moment was very short-lived, which made 
mean we had to be patient to see the playoff prior to his match. They said in May that Ciampa suffered a torn ACL alive event for NXT TakeOver Chicago on May 20th. Well, despite Ciampa gutting it out of the TakeOver, the report of the injury was accurate and for storyline purposes, it was revealed this transpired during the ladder match against Authors of Pain. On the May 31st edition, NXT Ciampa alluded to his knee injury during his explanation for turning his back on Gagano. It was later revealed that Ciampa's timeline for his in-ring return would not be until the spring of 2018 or perhaps even later than that. This certainly put a wrench into their plans. But in the meantime, Gennagano was now on his own and forced to reflect on a ghost from his past. He desperately needed to rediscover who he really was since he felt and confusion. The betrayal of Tommaso Ciampa weighed heavily on his mind and clearly impacted his performance. Well, Johnny went on a losing skid with multiple losses to Almas, among others. The most prominent one having taken place at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3, where Zelina Vega threw the trademark blue DIY shirt at the distraction was enough for Andrade to take advantage and earn the victory following a hammerlock DDT from the corner. Johnny Gagano simply couldn't escape Ciampa despite the fact he wasn't even physically present. One positive was his physical transformation that saw him get much leaner and put on more muscle. Well, Johnny wrestling is back. Well, Johnny defeated Cassius Sano to qualify in a fatal four-way for a normal contendership fatal four-way match for the NXT Championship. In the fatal four-way, Johnny Gagano took advantage of Adam Cole's distraction on Ali B to earn a championship match against Almas at NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. To the delight of the full-sale crowd, this was very unexpected. NXT TakeOver Philadelphia, January 27, 2018. Sorry, where was that, James? Philly! Well, in a modern classic that was rated five stars from Twatty Meltzer, <laughs> along with voted match of the year in 2018, NXT year-end poll, Johnny Gagano came up short in a very competitive match that features some of the best near falls in recent memory. Well, Johnny's wife, Candice Faye, even got involved to even the odds after Zelina Vega interfered. Despite an incredible effort from Johnny, he walked up the ramp with his and his wife by his side as, his, as the crowd chanted, Thank you, Johnny. Well, given his final goodbye, a ghost from Johnny's past appeared, and it was Tommaso Ciampa. He was physically more imposing than before and had notably much longer beard. Physically, it was even obvious that evil and bitterness had consumed him. Well, Ciampa smashed Johnny with a crutch in front of Candice. Last an image concluded NXT TakeOver. Philly! Johnny Wrestling gets fired. Well, following the match at NXT TakeOver. Philly! Johnny had a rematch with Andrade on NXT television. The stipulation... Stipulation. ...was that if Johnny loses the match, he must voluntarily leave NXT forever. After Tommaso Ciampa emerged from the audience, causing interference... Johnny Gagano lost to Almas for the fourth time and was forced to leave NXT. Well, Ciampa was proud of his accomplishment as he likely assumed that Johnny leaving for good would lead to a downward spiral of misery and despair in Gagano's life. But Johnny Gagano the last laugh attacking Ciampa at the performance centre and becoming obsessed with getting even. Well, eventually winning Regal Gagano an unsanctioned match against Ciampa at NXT TakeOver New Orleans. If Gagano wins, he gets reinstated. Well, NXT TakeOver New Orleans, April the 7th, 2018, and that is WrestleMania weekend. Well, this match was nearly one year in the making, which also headlined the card, and deservedly so. In a brutal match that saw both men tear apart and take advantage of all available weapons at ringside, it was a final sequence that still vividly stands out. Chumper removed his knee brace to expose his knee, and he ran into hit Gagano. Johnny smashed Gagano, Chumper's exposed knee with a brace. Gagano broke apart the crutch, but hesitated on hitting a pleading Chumper with it as they sat down. 
Ciampa went for a cheap shot, but Gagano countered with a Gagano no escape with the knee brace wrapped around Ciampa's face and mouth. Ciampa tapped out and Batman defeated the Joker. Well, a sense of relief was very apparent on Johnny's face. Candice LeRae embraced her husband to conclude the show. It was a legitimate five-star match, but much like the Joker said in The Dark Knight, I have a feeling we're destined to do this forever. We fast forward a few weeks later to the April 25th episode of NXT, where Gagano was once again attacked by Ciampa while he was making his entrance for his NXT Championship match against Ali B. This feud was far from over. In the following weeks, Candice slapped Ciampa Gagano inadvertently knocked out Candice following a brawl with Ciampa. Tensions were at peak. Johnny was not only fighting for revenge, but for his family. NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. 2. Street Fight. Well, this is my pay-per-view of the year. As expected, both men beat the holy hell out of each other, with Johnny eventually dominating the latter portion of the match. It also features several memorable moments, such as when Tommaso Ciampa pulled off Gagano's wedding ring and then spat on it. This little moment fully demonstrated just how personal this feud had gotten. Well, perhaps the greatest line of the match would lay the groundwork for months to come, courtesy of Nigel McGuinness, when he asked out loud if Gagano had become what he had despised. That doesn't sound like Nigel McGuinness. Gagano has come what he despised. Well, Gagano forced Chomper to tap out, but there was no ref available to call it. Eventually, Gagano locked Chomper in handcuffs and continued to land super kick after super kick. Well, when officials pulled Gagano off him, Chomper somehow mustered up the strength to nail Gagano with DDT on the wooden floorboards, and this was all while wearing handcuffs as well. And if you're keeping score, it is one apiece. Well, throughout the summer 2018, we witnessed a much more aggressive side to Johnny Gagano, but Johnny's obsession to exact revenge on Tommaso Ciampa backfired. Well, during the July 5th episode of NXT, Gagano interfered in the Tommaso Ciampa and Lester Black match, accidentally hitting Black with the NXT Championship, causing Ciampa to take advantage and become the new NXT Champion. The Blackheart now ruled over the NXT Kingdom. A triple threat match was scheduled for all three men at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, but following a parking lot attack that left Black unconscious, she knows who did it, he was deemed unable to compete. The attacker was never identified, which led to weeks worth of speculation became pro wrestling's version of the popular game Clue. Well, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Nevertheless, Johnny Gagano faced Tommaso Ciampa in a last man standing match at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn on August 18th. Well, the two fought all over the arena until eventually making their way to the stage where Gagano appeared to be in control until he made one fatal mistake. Well, he handcuffed Ciampa, but in an effort to perform a running knee, Gagano fell from the stage and landed on the, onto equipment. As a referee, count to nine, Ciampa managed to roll off the stage while the handcuffs kept him elevated on his feet. The culling Ciampa won, main the NXT champion. Johnny Gagano revealed as the mystery attacker. <coughs> well, several months passed by and during the October 24th episode of NXT... Johnny Gagano attacked Alistair Black and officially revealed that it was indeed Johnny Wrestling who laid out Black months earlier in the parking lot. Why, Johnny? Why? Well, Johnny had turned to the dark side in an effort to return to earn a shot against Ciampa. His obsession with Tommaso really threw away his morals and Effie so incredibly admired. Well, well, fans were legitimately stunned and disgusted with Johnny. How could someone they admire so much be capable of such a devious act? That takes us on to NXT TakeOver. War Games. Well, at War Games on November 17th, Black absolved Gagano of his sins with two black masses and Ciampa retained a championship against the Velveteen Dream. For the record, both were outstanding matches. Throughout December, Ciampa was enamoured with Johnny's darker side and wanted to further expose it. Perhaps he believed that he finally broke Johnny wrestling once and for all. 
Though he always publicly said that now Johnny finally came to his senses. Or Chumper even interfered in a match between Black and Gagano in a steel cage for the first time since their days in DOI. This show true unity. NXT TakeOver Phoenix. Well, NXT TakeOver Phoenix on January 26th, 2019. Gagano defeated Ricochet to become the new NXT North American champion, while Tommaso Ciampa retained the NXT championship over Ali B. As the show concluded, Johnny Gagano appeared on stage beside Ciampa. They both hoisted their championship gold in the air as we fade to black. Well, at this point, there remains two questions. Has Johnny been fully corrupted or is he just keeping his mortal enemy closer than ever? And does Chumper really believe any of this? Surely. Don't call me Shirley. He would never let anybody in. Johnny loses his championship. Well, during the February 20th edition of NXT, Johnny lost his North American Championship to the Velveteen Dream. In an effort to avoid spoilers, NXT taped two alternate engines to keep the fans guessing until the episode aired. Oddly, Chumper almost displayed pity during Johnny's loss. This is extremely very uncharacteristic. Of the Blackheart. Teaming again. The two debuted on the main roster, competing in tag team matches against the likes of the Revival and the Bar. Chumper remained undefeated on Raw and SmackDown television. Well, the two then joined forces competing their team in a Dusty Rose tag team classic. Understandably, Candice questioned Johnny's logic. Rightfully so, Tomas was the Scorpion and Johnny could be the Frog. Why would Johnny be so forgiving? Well, the newly reformed DIY faced Undisputed Era in the opening round and even eventually walked down to their old theme music. They advanced to the second round and faced Ali B and Ricochet. This time around, they came out to the DIY theme song with matching gear and the now-famous DIY blue shirt. Well, in an ode to the NXT TakeOver Chicago match against AOP, Johnny was nursing an injury while a frustrated chumper attempted to pick up the pieces. Unfortunately, it backfired, and one well-placed black mass followed by a 6 foot splash forced DIY out of the tournament. Candice ran down to check on her husband and Tommaso Ciampa uncharacteristically put down Goldie, his NXT championship, to check on Johnny. This misaligned sympathy was unlike anything we had ever seen from Ciampa in months, if not years. I wonder what was going through Ciampa's head at the time, but I suspect the Scorpion was already ready to sting the frog, but was just waiting for the perfect opportunity. I could not help myself, it is my nature. Well, as the two walked up the stage together, <coughs> Ciampa briefly stared at the Dusty Rose trophy then attempted to throw Johnny into the LED stage. Cleverly, Johnny knew how this scenario would play out, so he faked the injury, then reversed it by throwing Chomper into the stage. He followed up with a super kick while Candice cheered in approval. For months, Johnny Gagano devised a plan to grow closer to Chomper, only to see the champion let his guard down and bequest him. The aftermath. It was revealed that Tommaso Chomper had injured his neck and required immediate surgery, and as a result was stripped of his NXT championship. Johnny Gagano will now compete for this vacant championship at NXT TakeOver New York. While this was once again an unfortunate coincidence, Ciampa and Gagano missed out on yet another big match. Well, Johnny Gagano went on to defeat Adam Cole in a two out of three falls match to claim the vacant NXT championship at TakeOver New York. It remains the top contender for the best match of 20, while undoubtedly providing one of the most fan-pleasing conclusions. The prophecy was fulfilled, and finally Johnny got his moment. Following the conclusion of the match, an emotional Johnny Gagano celebrated with his wife Candice. As they made their way up the ramp to conclude the show, a familiar face emerged from the back, Tommaso Ciampa. Instead of attacking, the three embraced in one of the most emotional moments in recent memory. For a split second, fans saw the real Ciampa celebrate with his best friend. Yeah. And then since then, we've seen Ciampa getting back, coming back. And obviously, he's got his focus on uh, Goldie. But the, with the Gagano thing there, the feud is still... They could do anything with it still, couldn't they? Do you know what I mean? Like, they could be a team again with uh, Chumper and Gagano's faces, 
or have him again turn on each other. It has been the best told story in WWE the past 10 years, hasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And it's, you know, it's just everything, like the way it's all played together. I know the injuries have been untimely, but that's also kind of helped in the story. I don't think the storyline, if it had all played out over a shorter time without the injuries, I don't think it would have been the same. No, I completely agree with you. All right, so we've done moment, feud, match, and pay-per-view. But who is the wrestler of the decade? Well, the biggest, most successful homegrown talent since The Rock, John Cena dominated the first seven years of the decade, as he typically did beating the top-tier superstars and capturing championship gold. His nine world titles since 2010 are more than any other superstar. At Royal Rumble in January 2017, he did the unthinkable, tying legendary mark of 16 total world titles set by Ric Flair. Well, when he was not in the main event title picture, Cena remained a staple of high-profile fuse where he was competing against Big Show, or working to elevate stars Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, or Roman Reigns, the leader of the C-Nation, established himself as the most prominent and prolific star in sports entertainment. Perhaps his most underrated contribution to WWE over the last 10 years was his willingness to put over... Others and established them as competitors on his level. Sheamus, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan all saw their careers skyrocket after working with and defeating Cena in significant pay-per-view matches. As the United States champion in 2015 returned, he worked with younger superstars, elevating him during his Open Challenge series. His selfishness no situation, situation. <laughs> helped provide them with legitimacy they needed to move forward, even if WWE Creative managed to bungle their booking afterwards. As the decade came to a close, Cena stepped away from the squared circle to explore a career in Hollywood following the footsteps of The Rock. Well, it remains to be seen if the 42-year-old will ever regularly compete inside the W ring again or will be making even more comebacks like the great one in return for an occasional one-off match, perhaps boosting ratings of buy rates for WrestleMania here and there. Well, what is not in the question is the indelible mark left by Cena on the pro on the decade that has established his place in the anno wrestling history. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be serious about picking a guy who is the rest of the decade, I mean, yeah, you had people like Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar, but there was no doubt that the, the rest of the decade is John Cena. And Dan, I'm sure you're going to agree with me with that. I do agree with you on that, but he's not my wrestler. <clears throat> so, obviously, you agree with me that John Cena is the wrestler of the decade. I'm glad we can now I... move on. Don't, James. What? I wholehearted. I agree with what you say, but I don't agree with the wrestler of the decade. Who the fuck is going to be wrestler of the decade then? For you. There's only one word or three letters, should I say, James. And that is R-K-O. A man who's got his own award in the year-end awards, James. So is Johnny Gagano. Yes, I'm not saying he's the only man. (laughs) Did I say that? No, you didn't. Well, then, shut your face. There is something to be said about the steady consistency of Randy Orton over the last decade. No matter the profile of the programme he found himself involved in, the Viper could be counted on to use his considerable star power to elevate its overall profile. No, James, I'm going to carry on this, right? Shut your face. Respect. Over the course of the last 10 years, the third generation is full potential by capturing the WWE and World Heavyweight Championships by defeating the likes of John Cena, Christian, Sheamus, Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt. He captured the 2013 Money in the Bank briefcase and even now finds himself amid in significant rivalry with AJ Styles on Raw. That Orton could weave seamlessly into and out of the main event scene, working with Cena one week and a younger competitor like Wade Barrett or Jack Swagger the next, made him invaluable to WWE consistently. Look at his big star. 
where the pet project failed Vince McMahon and co could lean on the Viper to get them through until the next up-and-comer presented. Perhaps that is Orton's lasting legacy this decade. He was the selfless competitor who did what was presented to him and with a quiet consistency that helped him earn the status of one of WWE's better, more psychological workers. At age 39, with a lighter schedule then in years past, it's unlikely we're talking about Orton 10 years from now. That's the decade that has been even more significant in determining his place in wrestling. What a load of fucking shit. <laughs> you mean that? Well, I'm looking through this list, James. Oh, here we go. And, um, here he goes. Where's Drew? Yeah, I knew say that. Oh, I don't know. Maybe he hasn't had his chance yet, but he will. All right, okay. So one more left of the decade. I think this is one we can all agree on. For promotion, there is only one. And that, of course, is N. E. <laughs> N. A. X. E. T. W. You think A. W. No, of course, I'm fucking not you argue. It's NXT. Yes. There is only one. Yeah. NXT initially debuted in 2010 as a seasonal show, which was presented as a hybrid between WWE scripted live event shows and a reality television, in which WWE's development ter- ter- territory, even, Florida Championship Wrestling, participated in a competition to become WWE's next. Breakout star will help a mentors from W Raw and SmackDown brands. Well, five seasons of this is <coughs> five seasons. <laughs> I think we've been on this show today as well. Uh, <laughs> I love you. I love the Joe. Five seasons of this iteration were broadcast with Wade Barrett, Cavill, Caitlin, and Johnny Curtis being announced as winners. Yeah, Cavill's low key and Johnny Curtis could go. In June 2012, W ended the seasonal competition format and opted to revamp the show. NXT became the flagship television show of the NXT brand and has since received universally positive critical reception and high viewership with praise directed towards the high quality of wrestling and captivating storylines. Well, many consider NXT to be superior to WWE's flagship shows. Yeah, the initial version of the show made its debut on Sci-Fi on February 23, 2010, replacing ECW, but it was replaced by SmackDown in October. That aired as an hourly webcast on WWE.com on the United in the United States until June thirteenth, twenty twelve, before it was expanded to international markets on the WWE Network in twenty fourteen. And of course, in twenty nineteen, NXT expanded into a live two hour program on the USA Network. But let's have a look at this. So we had the first takeover event. Well, yes, that was on May twenty ninth, twenty fourteen. And the main event was uh, Tyson Kidd versus uh, Neville for the NXT title. And then we had August 22nd, 2015, Brooklyn, the first one that was actually outside Florida, and that was Kevin Owens versus Finn Balor. And then since then, every takeover is delivered. You talk about your pay-per-view of the decade, which was NXT TakeOver. Uh, We do our our live shows all the time, and it's so easy to do a takeover because no matter how much we talk it up, no matter how much you kind of build it, it always delivers, you know? And even the worst takeover is probably as good as WWE's kind of one of their best pay-per-views they put on is consistently. It's weird. Since NXT has come, I can't remember a five-star match happening on a WWE pay-per-view, but it's constant, consistently happening on NXT. Is that saying something about the NXT roster compared to the WWE one, or is it just showing the power of what NXT has? Well, absolutely. We've kind of like explained the differences. On NXT, they get given a lot more time. You know, they're not trying to cram 13, 14 matches into a pay-per-view. They've set about five. And it plays out perfectly. They get like, you know, 20 to 30 minutes throughout the whole pay-per-view. Nothing has to be rushed and everything just moves organically. Yeah, I think without a shadow of a doubt. And that's why it has made our list. So let's just go through the six of the decades 
that we got. And of course, the first one, we'll do Feud first, and that was Gagano versus Tommaso Ciampa. Yes, uh, we go on to Moment, and we both actually agreed that it's pipe bomb speech. Hi, Colt Cabana. Hi, Pay per view, mine was Money in the Bank 2011 with the aforementioned CM Punk John Cena match. Mine was Takeover Chicago 2. Two. My match was Punk versus John Cena, the main event for the Money in the Bank in that one. Uh, my match was Gagano versus Ciampa from TakeOver New Orleans, and it was the unsanctioned match they had. Yeah, the wrestler of the decade, John Cena, in no, my eyes. Randy Orton. Randy Orton and yours. One is right. And, of John course, Cena. the promotion of the decade. NXT. I mean, uh, before we started this podcast, I'd never even heard of, let alone seen, NXT. And, you know, since this, so I've got to thank the podcast... And that's thanking myself as well because I'm part of the podcast. <laughs> but, you know, uh, especially for James to introduce it to me and, you know, taking me on a path that I never want to go back from. Yeah, and this is weird. We started off with Joe watching that turned into an NXT update. And like we said, we've been doing it ever since. And weirdly enough, our next episode in the new year will be NXT update as well, catching up before uh, the huge year. And we'll get onto that in a little bit. But up next, it's time, Dan. It is time, it's time, it's Vader time. Year-end predictions time. Oh, oh, I forgot about them. All right, so now it is time, and it's it's what we've been all waiting for, really. I think for a year, we've been waiting for the year-end predictions, and let's just go through it again. So NXT were tied 5-5. Uh, pay-per-views, James 1-9-8. And in bonuses, 31-24 for me. So what does this... Well, James, you have a lead of eight points, but it's not over yet. But we've got to add a Prediction League winner's point, so Dan gets two points for the NXT League win. And you get six points for the NXT Pay-Per-View and Bonus League win as well. Yeah, so that's got a 12-point lead, but it could all change after opening up our year-end predictions. As always, two points for a bang-on answer, one point if a superstar holds a title but on a different brand, and we can argue for points, but mutual agreement is final. Yeah, so we're going to see what happens. I mean, I can remember some of it. It's going to be a list of champions. We have got the sealed envelope out of the vault. We had uh, the butler do it earlier and bring it to us. Dan, it is right in front of you now. That has been sealed since 2018. So do you mind? It keep... smells like last year. It smells like last year. The fish. <laughs> I'm sealing it. Oh, I'm sealing it now. <laughs> yeah. So there's two envelopes inside. It is Dan's prediction and James's prediction. I'm going to hand you... Thank you very much. They are in s- sealed envelopes. Oh, look, there's your confirmation. You put Jim R on it to make sure. So it's not been doctored and or touched within a year. No, it hasn't. So I'm going to... Uh, we'll open up our envelopes now. This could be it. This could be 12 points in here. We just don't know. <coughs> So we got, there we go. Oh dear. Um, so if we have a look. Oh my God, this is bad. <laughs> All right. First and foremost, we uh, put a bonus prediction of how the leagues would swing about, if we remember, uh, who would win each one. And I suspose to get, to get it, you had to get all three right to get a point. I think that would be fair to say, wouldn't it? Yep. All right, so who have you gone for pay-per-views this year? Uh, me. I went me for pay-per-views. NXT? Me. I went draw for NXT. 
And for bonus points, you. I went you for bonus. But why didn't I have? So I got, both? I got two theoretically because I did win the NXT and bonus. Yeah, and I won pay per view and draw. But I said you as bonus. I said I'd win the year end and me overall. So I mean, I can't. We can't really accept that because it didn't really work out as such. Uh, but we've got a list of champions, and of course, I think one of the most interesting things as well is the five bonus point predictions as well. Um, oh, this is so bad. I've done so bad. What's your list of WWE champions? Is it? It is. <laughs> None of them have even fucking come close, let alone fucking won it. It is. Oh, it's bad. I feel like a fucking idiot now putting all this down. <laughs> so do I. Don't worry. <laughs> <clears throat> Right, so where are we going to dive in? Right, yeah. we'll st- we'll start off right at the top, top then. Uh, w champion. <laughs> <laughs> I have gone for Samoa Joe. Oh, so Joe is your pick for W champion. I have gone Daniel Bryan. Oh. Yeah, so Bryan. He has held the title this year at least, so yes. I mean, I will give myself that. No points. Universal champion, I'll start us off. Go on, man. The big dog, Roman Reigns. Oh, 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 oh. I have gone for among men, Braun Strowman. Fucking hell. We think we're going to do so well, and then it comes bad. Uh, what about next up? Intercontinental champion. I have gone for the show-off, Dolph Ziggler. Ziggler. I, for the Intercontinental champion, have gone Kevin Owens. Oh. Yeah, so Owens on that one. United States champion. Oh my god, what was I thinking? It's going to be like a year later, do we? For God's sake, we don't know. All right, cruiserweight champion Cedric Alexander. I thought I went Leo Rush, but obviously I didn't. I went Drew Gulak. (laughs) But Gulak has held the title this year. I'm going to give myself credit for that, even though it's not correct. Raw tag team champion, the Revival, Dash and Dawson. You know they have been champions this year. I've gone for a team that's not been seen in about five months, the Usos. <laughs> <laughs> well, James, again, I can better that one. I've gone for a tag team that's not even a tag team anymore. Sanity <laughs> for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Uh, this is meant to be serious and we're not even there. Uh, well, I tell you what, my SmackDown Tag Team, they are still a tag team. I'm going to take that, but they're on the wrong brand. It's the Authors of Pain. Ah. Raw Women's Champion. I had high hopes with this one. Ember Moon. So Moon. I, I don't know what I was smoking at this point. Up at Mandy Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Jesus, James. <clears throat> oh, my God. I can better that, though. Smackdown Women's Champion. Uh, Ronda Rousey. <laughs> Who? Ronda Rousey. No, never heard of her. Smackdown Women's. Charlotte Flair. <laughs> I think I went a bit too safe. Right. So this is the... <laughs> we're, we'll finish off with WWE and the Women's Tag Team Champions. Uh, I think I put it down as just a kind of a, a bonus. Well, I've, I've written women's tag down. I've, it's not got right anyway. I've gone Banks and Bailey. Oh, Bailey and Team Champs. Yeah, That's so one of my bonus, yeah. Banks and Bailey. It wasn't either. So out of the 10 guessing of the champions, we got zero each. <laughs> okay, so now we move on, hopefully, to a bit more successful. It's NXT. <laughs> so well, My NXT champion... So, Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle is champion. NXT, so this is the champ. Um, Riddle. So you went bro, man. Bro. Uh, it looks like you're going to be wearing that fucking top. <laughs> My NXT champion, Adam Cole, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So two points there for me. Two points. Uh, my NXT tag team champions, 
War Raiders. You went War Raiders. I went Undisputed Era. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> NXT Women's Champion. Gonna who's your women's champion? Io Shirai. Do you know what? I've got Io Shirai as my women's champion as well, weirdly enough. So at least, at least we both went the same there. NXT North American Champion. I've gone Roderick Strong. I've gone Dijakovic. Dijak- well, I'll tell you what. At least Dijakovic was there. So, uh, American. I'll just write this down as we go along so I don't forget. So two points. Dijakovic. Zero. So NXT. Fucking hell. So Elmsfield here helped me out there. Six more points. So now it's a lead of 18. So you need to just bring them. Fuck you need yeah. to bring them back strong. Bring them back strong. Uh, okay, we've got NXT UK as well, like we've not done. So NXT UK, Dan. NXT UK, the UK title, Pete Dunn. Yeah, so NXT UK, so you've gone Pete Dunn. I've gone Volta. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I've gone Volta. <coughs> but Volta, oh. <laughs> Volta as NXT UK champ. Another two points. UK tag team champions. Uh, I've gone uh, Gibson, Drake and Gibson. I've gone bait and seven. <laughs> my God, my NXT UK Women's Champion is atrocious. Danny, have you gone for? Tony Storm. Storm. Do you know that's not a bad one? Better than my one, Ginny. <laughs> so I don't know why I went Ginny. I didn't know why Ginny would maybe be successful, but she obviously wasn't, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, now, this is when you could start clawing points back, all right? So this is uh, Men's Raw Rumble winner. Gone for James? I've only gone for one man, and that is my man, Drew McIntyre. I have gone for Seth freaking Rollins. He's back in the game. Woo-hoo! Two points. That's as far as it peaks, though. Because <laughs> <coughs> for the women's Rumble winner. Who have you gone for women's? Ember Moon. Moon. Oh, you're going to fucking hate me. I've gone Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch. <laughs> Becky Lynch. Undertaker's WrestleMania. With me here. I don't know what happened. He didn't even have a match at WrestleMania, did he? No. <laughs> <laughs> My WrestleMania uh, opponent for Undertaker was, and it's been quite a cool match, Daniel Bryan. Mine, Shawn Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> yes, James, that's Shawn. <clears throat> All right. Oh, fuck, what am I doing here? Well, okay, men's uh, money in the bank. <laughs> McIntyre. Uh, my men's money in the bank was The Miz. <laughs> <laughs> Women's Money in the Bank. Uh, my Women's Money in the Bank. Oh, God, who's your Women's first? Charlotte Flair. Charlotte. Who won the Women's Money in the Bank this year? Was it Bliss? No. It was someone not them, was it, really? It That's wasn't the... Charlotte Flair. It wasn't no. Charlotte. It wasn't Naomi. No, it was, Carmel- it was Bliss. Because Carmella won the first one. Ah, there you go. The so mine was Naomi. Nice shoes, but not a fucking chance. So I thought it would be a big year for the Usos and Naomi. Obviously, it wasn't. Oh my Surprise return. God, I can't believe I put this down as a return. CM Punk. CM Punk, well <laughs> done, Dan. No, that's who you was. That's not me. That's not, who was your return? Darren Young. Darren Young. <laughs> <laughs> who was yours? It wasn't CM Punk. It was Wade Barrett. Fucking <laughs> hell. Well, to be fair, Barrett did come back, but I'm not, we can't, I think it's the WWE would be, for fuck's sake. Oh, God, am I. All right. Surprise wrestler leaving. So, surprise wrestler leaving. I have gone for Dolph Ziggler, who actually returned. (laughs) (laughs) Close. Uh, I've gone for Shinzuki fucking Nakamura. It's still there. Hang on a bit. So, we'll stop a second as we get there. So, so far... I can't remember. I've got one point. You you got two. Two points. Two points. Let's, Let's not forget that. Let me just run... Let me just catch up with all the points quickly. 
All right, so I've had a look at the points, and Dan, it's not looking good for you at the moment. I'm not going to lie. No, it's not. Uh, at the moment, outright, it's 61-41, so there's a 20-point swing, but still time to draw back at summer. I mean, it, there's still a lot of possibilities to go. Uh, we'll move on next, then, and it is surpri- uh, It is free WrestleMania match. Well, one of mine, I have gone for Orton versus Styles. Yes. Which was a match at WrestleMania. Yeah, so that's a point. I have gone for Braun versus McIntyre, which was not a match. I, too, went for Strowman versus McIntyre. Uh, I went for Lesnar versus Rollins, which was a match at WrestleMania. It was indeed. I went for Rousey versus Lynch. I, too, have gone Rousey Lynch. That was not free, though. So, uh, no, free. No, sorry, yeah, free. So, your, what was your third one? <coughs> oh, yeah, mine was Rousey versus Lynch. So, Rousey Lynch. Mine's Rousey Lynch, Lesnar Rollins, Braun McIntyre. Mine was Orton Styles, Rousey Lynch, Strowman McIntyre. Right, so we'll give you two points for the, the bang on one, which is Orton versus Styles. Two points for Lesnar Rollins, and a point each for Rousey versus Lynch, because they did face, but Charlotte was triple threat. So, Mania matches. See, there you go. So, that is three points each. Uh, WrestleMania main event. Rousey v. Lynch. Rousey v. Lynch. Rousey v. Lynch. So, we'll give ourselves a point for that one as well. That's the Mania main event. SummerSlam. Uh, SummerSlam main event. Oh, my goodness. I have gone Oscar versus Rousey. I went for Balor versus AJ Styles. And the actual SummerSlam main event was... Uh, if I do believe it was Lesnar-Rollins again, wasn't it? It was Lesnar versus Rollins, yes. So no point. Survivor Series main event. I went for the men's five on five. And I too went for Rollins versus SmackDown 5v5. So Survivor no points there as well. Right, okay. So this is the important one now. This is when we can all catch up. We've got five bonus predictions. Dan, what was your first one? My first one was Undisputed Era hold all the gold, as in all members hold a title at the same time. Which is bang on, so two points for Undisputed Era. Uh, I've gone for May Young Classic winner Tegan Knox, even though May Young Classic didn't actually take place, so that's no points. Nil point. Nil point for my first one. Uh, number two, Rousey gets defeated. Rousey gets defeated. There's another two points there, Dan. So Rousey get defeated happened. I actually said Rousey would remain undefeated. So <laughs> that's a minus. That's point. minus two no, points. No, 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 there. Um, Hawkins gets a win, which Haw- he did. Hawkins did get a win. Yeah, another two points there. Um, Hawkins. Uh, <laughs> first ever British WWE champion. <laughs> it did not happen. Uh, Shane and Triple H feud is my fourth one, which did not happen. Uh, Bailey and Banks, women tag team champs. Oh, they did become tag team champions as well, so I'll give you another two points there. You're doing really well on this one. <coughs> oh my god, my last one. Bam Bam Bigelow inducted into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> fucking hell. One was Bret Hart gets attacked at the Hall of Fame. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, fucking hell. Five points, yeah. there. Money in the bank held for six plus months. <sighs> I don't think neither of them held for six plus months, no. were they? I think the women's one was cashed in. And Strowman did it at Hell in the Cell. Oh, everyone, money in the bank. That didn't, that didn't. So, but then again, that's eight points there for your bonus. Zero for me. Uh, three NXT call-ups. Um, my three call-ups was Ali Ben, yeah. uh, Shayna Baszler, yeah. and Kari Sane. So, all three at three there. I've got Ali B, Baszler, and the Street Profits. So, NXT call-ups, we've got six points each there. 
I've also got Daniel Cormier, UFC dude, is in the crowd. I've got Walters in the crowd, and of course, it didn't happen. He just came out and attacked him afterwards. So that is it for year end. Let me just calculate the points there. So going into that, there was a 20-point swing. But Dan, you did phenomenally to try and get it. I mean, your last few there was just incredible when you got like 18 points towards the end. Was it too little to note your grand total? So 18 plus 41 for anybody that's won to work it out. 59 points for the year. Which means the winner of the year-end predictions, winner... Of the, the the overall king of WNR predictions, three to two in a year, with a grand total finishing off on seventy one points. You are listening to the king of the WNR podcast, James Motherfucking Rollins. Dan, bow your head in greatness. How are you feeling at this moment in time? I am feeling sick with myself. <laughs> you know, I kind of brought it back. My NXT was pretty much flawless. I need to work more on my WWE predictions and my bonus predictions. And uh, my year-end predictions, aside from a few, you know, bad ones, I think I've done quite well on the whole there. So, yeah, I, I need to back my ideas up for next year. But the next league is going to be bigger and stronger. And it's going to feature a lot more categories. So, yeah. I, I mean, have high hopes. We have got high hopes. We're adding AEW and, of course, a few others uh, to our year-end predictions for next year. I've got to say, the thing that we kind of handicapped you this year, isn't it? is the bonus points, which you usually do so well. I think you fell behind early at the Royal Rumble and kind of never really caught up. Apart from that, everything else was really close. And I think that is a kind of surprise because usually I think it's the first time I actually won bonus points outright in the year. Now, Dan, as we do every year, like I said, the loser has to wear the T-shirt of the winner's chosen. We know what that T-shirt is. It's the original bro, Matt Riddle. That T-shirt is yours now. But also what we do is that the loser has to give a speech about how great the winner is. And you don't have, no, to, do, you don't have to do too long. I mean, I have got you this prepared statement if you do want it. But, I mean, just in a, in a few words, just how great I am and just how much better than, better than you I am. And just kind of everything we do on this podcast. Well, in previous years, James, I did do my research. And upon reflection, I do believe that getting rid of the WWE Network and unable to do research in that capacity... I believe that was my biggest downfall. But there's no denying, James, that you were the better man this year. I doth my cap to you, sir. And you are the undisputed king of predictions for this year and overall. For five but, years since the very start. But next year, James, I'm going to come back bigger. I'm going to come back stronger. I'm going to go to a training camp <laughs> with none other than me and Gene Oakland. And John Cone. <laughs> well, thank you, Dan. I mean, it's, it's, sometimes it must be very hard for someone to admit how awesome I am. And uh, no, don't, put your trousers back on. Put your trousers back on. That's not ready yet. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, Dan is trying on his Matt Riddle top now, which looks lovely. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, it's just difficult. You know, that level of greatness, sometimes it's difficult to continue. And I'm just glad you win doesn't really matter what else we do on the podcast now. It's just clear that I have won it since the very inception. But like I said, it all changes next year. We're going to add lots of stuff. AEW, probably the NJPW and Rev Pro Champion just for it. How does it fit? I mean, it looks awful. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it suits you, but... <laughs> well, James, um, you should have kind of guessed my size because I'm swimming in this T-shirt. <laughs> um, 
said before when it was hanging over us like an ominous shadow. I quite like it. <laughs> quite like it. Well, good. Because you're going to wear that for a year of my choosing. Of course, we're not going to Raw or SmackDown this year. So it'll be every podcast, basically, uh, that at any time that I ask you to wear that top, that is going to be yours. And basically, that is what it is. I mean, but um, we just want to say a big thank you to all the listeners, followers and subscribers for making 2019 a great year as well. It's been a pleasure doing it, especially what happened with WWE early on in the year trying to shut us down. We've kind of moved on from that. Like I said, we're just focusing on our love of professional wrestling. And it actually makes the, the podcast and everything feel a bit more fun. It's kind of brought everything back to the way it was at the beginning now. Well, yeah, throughout the, uh, throughout the podcast, we have kind of, you know, made little changes here and there. We went from, you know, is the WWE network worth watching? We've discovered that no, it's not because Vince McMahon tries to kind of gives him legitimate opposition down, i.e. being us, you know, he tried to shut us down. But we was defiant. And Vince McMahon, he may have won every single lawsuit he came across, but us in the big court, he couldn't. So we managed to make him bow to us. But that's kind of helped us expand our horizons going on to AEW, RevPro, the Magnificent Seven, which we're going to be focusing on next year. And, you know, the, the only way is up for the podcast, and we hope you still enjoy listening to our live shows. And, again, you know, we couldn't have done this without all of our listeners. No, without a shadow of doubt, I'd just like thank you for making our WNR Awards and the Christmas special one of the most listened to podcasts of the year as well. Like I said, we love doing it and bringing it to you here. We've got the year end. But this is not it. This is not the end. I mean, yes, it's free too overall for me and Dan, but we're just moving on. And, you know, we started in 2015. That means 2020 is going to be a massive year because not only are we going to celebrate our first three days, we've been doing this for five years. I haven't ever had a relationship longer than five <laughs> no, fucking I years. Mean, this is full-time relationship stuff. We're going to have our 300th episode as well, which is going to be amazing. You know, we've done stuff for 100th and 200th. 300 is going to be massive. Like I said, Magnificent 7 as well. It's going to be even bigger and better. But let's look ahead at the first few months. We've got a cracking uh, time coming up towards WrestleMania. Let's just say January 4th, you've got NGW, New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom, which will bring you for the very first time on the WNR podcast. On January the 12th, we've got the NXT UK TakeOver event. Yeah, again, an event that we are really, really looking forward to. January 26th, we've got Wells Collide, NXT versus NXT UK. And of course, the news coming out of that is the Undisputed Era versus Imperium. Yeah, the next night, January 27th, we've got the WWE Royal Rumble, where hopefully I won't lose as many points predicting our entrances into the Rumble as last year. Yeah, February 16th, NXT TakeOver Portland, uh, where it's going to be TakeOver's own event, and that should be cracking. Of course, with these shows as well, we'll bring in the live shows, which we always do. So that means we'll be live four times uh, in January slash February for the TakeOvers and, of course, Rumble weekend. Uh, February the 29th, we've got AEW Revolution. Yeah, which, again, AEW, we, we, we had that for the first time this year. It was a success, so we're going to continue it. And then March 8th, the WWE Elimination Chamber on the road to wrestling. We'll bring you all of that, plus Impact's hard-to-kill main event, Sammy Callahan going against Tessa Blanchard for the world title. Yeah, so we'll be keeping you up to date with everything that we've got. And, of course, the live shows, the Magnificent Seven that we're going to do. We've got a couple of great superstar profiles coming up. One of Nigel McGuinness, one of William Regal as well. And we're just going to have fun. You know, what we saw with Joey Ryan, everything like that, it's just a kind of 
I love a professional wrestling is still there. Yes, people get sick and tired of WWE, but let's see, WWE is not the be-all and end-all when it comes to professional wrestling, you know? Absolutely not. No, we've seen um, <clears throat> one of the most entertaining shows. We saw that live, which was an amazing birthday present from James to myself. We got to meet Joey Ryan. And if you haven't met Joey Ryan, I mean, just being in the same arena to him, that the, the fragrance of his dong... Oh. I mean, James, I'm sure you can still taste it on your lips now. I still got the taste in my mouth, and it is unbelievable stuff. Love to see a few uh, British wrestling shows. There's one in February in Hastings where Gangrel is going to be there. So I don't know if we're going to do that, but it'll be stuff like that to try and meet guys around. And, of course, we won't be spending money on, on, on the WWE unless, of course, NXT UK announce dates in our area the second half of the year, and I would love to go to an NXT UK takeover. If AEW and Impact come over, it would definitely be safe to look at as well. All right, Dan, so this is the end of the year. How have you thought the year's podcast-wise? Just wrapping everything up in a nice little bow. I think the WNR podcast has been a great year. I mean, you know, we've kind of been forced into some changes, but they've been changes for the better of the podcast. I mean, you know, just not limiting our focuses to Vinnie Mac's company. I think that's been one of our biggest obstacles to overcome and again you know all the listeners my my new year's resolution is to get more interaction with our listeners and followers as well on, on the twitter on everything you know on facebook and uh you know kind of start some uh, heated debates yeah i think without a doubt and this is the thing we're trying to do like i said you know we, we don't talk about the hard work put into it but it is kind of hard work Trying to get everything sorted out, you know, with, with the not even just with the scripts, but the kind of recordings of the shows, the editing, putting stuff that you know, everything costs money to put up online as well and have that done. And one of the things that is very time consuming, so this is the kind of thing we're going to try and look at and get people involved. I, I love getting your emails, especially you know, one about tag teams and stuff like that as well. Like I said, I love getting the emails, and that's what we say. We just want to try and make a little bit more contact, and we should have some huge announcements starting in January time as well about the WNR podcast. But if you do want to contact us, don't forget, you can follow us across all social media on Twitter at WWE Network Review or at Vince McMahon. <coughs> He's for you to say. At Vince McDan WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins. We're across all the Google platforms. Send us an email at WNR podcast at gmail.com and on Instagram at WNR podcast from Facebook. Yes, Facebook, come and find our page and give us a like with a WNR podcast. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. So much easier now with just a WNR podcast. Across all the Google platforms, of course. Like I was saying, just search Google the WNR podcast. You will find us. YouTube channel as well, the WNR podcast. Subscribe. Of course, we've got latest clips. So Joey Ryan's on there now. Uh, you've got Ricochet, Will Ospreay. And of course, Oscar versus Ember Moon, which is our highest rated video on YouTube when we were there live for the women's title match. You can, uh, you can, the podcast go up on YouTube at the same time as other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. And we just like to thank everybody on SoundCloud because that's kind of been like our baby since the very start. We've always based ourselves off SoundCloud and worked elsewhere. Uh, of course, Freaker Radio, we've got our live shows coming up. Our first live show of the year will be for the NXT UK TakeOver event. And of course, iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. But that is it for 2019, the end of the decade the end of the year, and we go into 2020 with a kind of new and a, uh, and a kind of nice, exciting value. You know, and it's what I feel excited. I feel ready for 2020. I cannot wait. We're going to start the year off by catching up with NXT, the UK, and of course the American version as we go towards NXT UK takeover. 
that is it. Just thank you everybody for listening. Thank you everybody for you know everything you've done with the WNR podcast this year. Uh, I, I've I've loved every single moment of it. I have been James Rhodes. As always, every episode I was joined by Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a great New Year. Bye. Bye.